You're listening to a Mutiny Transmission. You can find more podcasts, videos, books, comics, and records online at mutinyinfocafe.com. Or just stop in the store in Denver and have a coffee sometime. are in there riffing the best riffs are always like off recording like i man you know when you guys are jamming you're just riffing you know when you guys are just jamming just riffing around i you know i've often uh thought like i hope there's an afterlife because when i die i want access to all the information that ever there was and, like, I have this fantasy. Like, have you ever seen the robot chicken where um, uh, the guy dies and he goes to heaven and he's, like, St. Peter has the book of life with all the knowledge that could possibly be in there? And the guy starts asking him questions like, how much poop would it take to build the pyramids out of poop? And blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like, keeps asking all these questions. I saw that episode and I was like, oh, my God. The television is reading my mind. <laughs> like I saw that, and I was like, "Dude, Brilliant. I've thought, dude, I've thought about that so many times of just like, man, I hope there is, like, I hope the Christians are right, and there's a book of life, and like all the information is in it, and like I can ask stupid questions just like that just one. Like that. And one of the things I would do is I'd be like, "Can you show me?" a highlight reel of all the funniest stuff that me and my friends ever said that didn't get recorded. And like that, that would be jo- awesome. Funny joke. That, that would be forgot, awesome. Yeah. Wouldn't that be great? It'd be worth dying over. It would be so funny. It'd be worth dying over because you'd, and you'd be dying from laughing in the afterlife. Yeah. And you would remember it all too. You'd be like, Oh yeah. Oh, that was so good. Oh, I wish that joke had made it. I wish that joke hadn't died. I remember that time out back at the liquor store in that dumpster when we made that joke. Hey, are you... I mean... Are you old as shit in heaven? That's what I want to know. Are you the age that you died at? Oh, like there's an age... Um, there, there's an age odometer. Like, if you die According at, to movies, yeah. If, okay, you, so if you live you to a ripe old age, age right? If yeah. you live to a ripe old age... Like, if you live to be, like, 95 or 100 years old, and then you die, and it's like, it's like, oh, they lived a, a, a good long life, you know, grand, and now grandma's just happy and peaceful in heaven. It's like, no, granny is 100 years old in heaven, and there's, pants. and there's all these hot young people who, who opted out early or died in tragic accidents or whatever, and they're walking around all hot, hooking up with the hot young people, and all the people who lived like long, fruitful like lives, they've got to bang old people, and they've got to be an old person. <laughs> How does well, it work? That is a man. That is a deep thought, right there. Do you get well, to go? You know, on, only good people go to heaven. So, you know, I, I bet those grandmas <laughs> get thrown a bone every once in a while by a good-hearted <laughs> man, just like you know, a good what? Samaritan. <laughs> Old granny, I'm here, young man. <laughs> Some good Samaritan, just like, like saints, 
Like yeah. literal saints are just there servicing the grannies. Is that what you're saying? It, it's I want to believe that there be... is a god that he's played by Sam Elliott. That's, that's <laughs> what I want to believe. Hey, welcome to heaven. It's good to have you here. Hey, Gordo. Pull up a seat. And like, <laughs> pull up a but seat he's next a to me, jo- Gordo and open up a sarsaparilla. I like to think he's a I giant Sam Elliott. He's a giant Sam Elliott. When you go into his chambers, it's a cloud that is like just around his face. You know what I mean? And he's sitting there talking to you. And you go sit on the tip of his nose and talk to him. And then you slide down his mustache and you go about your, like, all right, well, good talk. Go ahead and slide on down God's mustache. Now. You take a literal like mustache ride, curly mustache ride. But it like, <laughs> it like curl, it curls around. Curly mustache. And the mustache ride. drops you off exactly in in your area of heaven that you're supposed to be in. How cool would it also be? Speaking of the Book of Life, I was thinking of this at the same time, and I wanted to come back to it. If even the book of all information and like their library of all information, they also had every song that you ever wrote that fell between the cracks. Like, you know, when you're at band practice and mm-hmm. and you're just in the moment, you're digging it and like, oh, I'm feeling it. You're just riffing. And like before, because man, in the old days when we used to practice at Tay's parents' house, like the most high tech we ever got was like, didn't we have like a mini disc recorder at one point and it made everything sound like absolute garbage? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, we used to tape rehearsals when uh, my first band used to re- uh, tape record- rehearsals with a, uh, a mini cassette recorder. Like oh, one of those oh, voice recorders. Hand, yeah. Handheld ones. But what yeah. was crazy is when you put that through a system, like it actually picked up the bass like crazy good. Wow. And so, like, we would run it through my board and, like, just, just kind of turn up the bass a little bit, and it was just like, womp, 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 womp. Mm. It was pretty cool. Dude, mini tape recorders are the shit. Do you remember you remember when we were kids mm-hmm. and I had that mini tape recorder that I found in my dad's? First of all, finding my dad's real audio was a, a gift from God. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. That's amazing. Okay, so my, my dad was a police officer for four, like if you include his time in as military police in the air force which i count if you count that time of my, course yeah my dad was an officer of the law my dad has been a cop for 43 years right and early on in his career he was getting a lot of complaints from the public like he was getting a lot of complaints just about being rude you know what i mean because people call and complain if you're just an asshole cop. And he was getting these complaints and he didn't know what he was doing wrong. So my mom was like, well, you can, when you're in cop mode, you can talk down to people and you can be, you can be really rude. And he's like, Oh no, that's not true. God damn it. And like, so my mom's like, why don't you get a tape recorder and, and start doing that? Oh, oh just taping, taping himself. Well, and I and and I guess he taped some of it. I never came across those tapes, but what I did come across is I came across a recording. Like what my dad started using it for is he would record, like he would record. Uh, you know, he got called into court a lot for, um, like as a cop, you have to go to court regularly just to like, um, what do you call it? Testify and in, in like depositions debriefing and, shit. and shit like yeah, that. Yeah, shit like that. Okay. You know, in traffic stuff all the time. Yeah. Average citizens want to pull people into court to talk, you know, contest traffic reports. Like with shit that they printed up on the internet, like 
do you know what Doppler splash is and how it can affect, you know, radar signals? And I actually saw a cop have to do this in court once, like, like sit and like argue with a guy or listen to a guy yell stuff that he read on the Internet. At the radar time. signal bounces off of chemtrails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. T- totally. Stuff like that. Like you see old men that have nothing better to do and they go down to the courthouse because they're going to take down City Hall. It's like. Goddamn city ruined my lawn when they were in there digging up the sidewalk and getting their goddamn sidewalk dust all over the place and killed my goddamn, you know, <laughs> killed Tennessee my goat with their sidewalk, <laughs> sidewalk dust. <laughs> I'm not dealing with that bullshit. It got all over the good china, scratched it off the gold leaf and came clean off. That was my mother's china, <laughs> goddammit. Dude, you see it all the time. Anyway. You should see Betty's begonias. <laughs> they're supposed they're to be ruined. orange, and now they're like a powdery orange. They look terrible. Concrete magnolias. Everybody knows magnolias don't like concrete. <laughs> How are we supposed to compete next spring with all this concrete dust all over the yard? Those were our competition gladiolas that we were planning on. Digging up and potting and putting in the international gladioliola. Gladio- Say goodbye to the Joneses. They're going to dust us next Gladiola-ola. year. Gladiola-ola. Gladiola-orama. Gladiorama. I like gladiola-ola. Gladiolola-palooza. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so anyway, my dad would carry around this. this t- <laughs> my dad would carry around this tape recorder. And, uh. And I heard my dad, like, my mom had loaned some money to someone. And there's this recording of my dad. And you hear my dad get out of the car. And he goes up to this lady's house. And you just hear, you know, you hear the knock on the door. And the lady comes to the door. And she's like, oh, hey, how's it going? Um, and my dad's like, it's like, yeah, uh, well, you know, Bobby Sue loaned you that money. And, uh. You know, we think it's time you need to pay her back. And she's like, oh, well, I just don't have the money now. And if you could just give me a little bit and blah, blah, blah. My dad's like, well, how fucking long do we have to wait? <laughs> and then and then she's like, um, well, I just don't have it. He goes, okay, all right. Well, we'll be suing you now. Goodbye. And you just <laughs> hear my dad <laughs> walking oh, away. And then she's like, well, hold on, no, no, no. My dad just, no, oh, god damn it, we've waited long enough. And just hearing my dad get angry, like, for those who don't know and who haven't listened to many of the episodes where I do impressions of my dad, yes, that's the way my dad really talks. He actually does talk that way. He does. Yeah, he I, talks I talk like Kermit to him the for Frog. a little bit the other day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Dude, and it's, the, and it's the sweetest thing because he's such a funny guy. And so when he's upset, like when he's angry or when he's sad or when he like many things, it's like hearing such a cartoonishly sweet and good natured person <laughs> just like come apart like that. It's like, oh, man, you upset the cartoon, man. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just at my wits end. I don't know. Like, I don't know how. I don't know how people didn't bring that up more when he was a cop. Like, every time he pulled something over, he'd be like, you know why I stopped you, motherfucker? You know you sound like Kermit the Frog? (laughs) (laughs) Officer Nasal E. Frog. Yeah. Officer Kermit? No, Officer Kermit. Why? Why did you pull me over, Officer Kermit the Frog? Dude, that that gives me a really good idea. Sometime we should just bring, everybody should just bring their favorite recording of whatever. (laughs) 
just I, like just, just found audio. Could be, stuff? could be found. It could yeah. be like it could be a song. It could be just a conversation. That's good. It could I, I be was gonna whatever, ask, and just we'll we'll just we'll pump it into the old uh, computer. That's a good idea. What are the possibilities? You still have these old. Michael Howell cop tapes. You know what? I've looked. I've looked around for them over the years. I'll mm. bet they are stored somewhere. I'll bet they're somewhere. Um, there is also among those recordings, because I got a hold of it and I started recording radio shows. Mm-hmm. That was after you and I were doing radio shows. Okay. Because when you and me and Marshall were kids, we had like you guys had one of those big. Like the Mind Hunter recorders, like you know the, what I mean? Yeah, the oh, crunch. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, the crunch. You guys had one of those, and we mm-hmm. would do we would do radio shows on that. Logan and Marshall and I did radio shows all the time. They were fucking hilarious. Radio but shows. That's that how we, you guys got so good made, at this stuff. Uh, <laughs> we made music videos and we shit. We did make music videos. We would lip sync over, um, we would lip sync over, uh, like, like, Blind Melon and Faith No More and, uh, Metallica and Primus. Oh, yeah. I've, got, I've, got, I've got a few yeah. tapes like that. Oh, yeah. Past. Yeah, from when I was a child. I yeah. kind of hope those are destroyed. Dude, yeah, no, there, are, they, there are some that they I are hope destroyed. are destroyed as yeah. well. They are destroyed. Remember, we brought it up on a previous episode. My mom recorded over everything oh. with like Hercules and Renegade and <laughs> shit like that. Oily I swear to God. My mom recorded over all our music videos with Oily Men shows. It was. Oily it's men the shows. oily men show. Welcome to the oily, long-haired, beauty guy hour. It's like, what is this? Starring is it, is Kevin v- Sorbo. It's a VHS full of Fabio yogurt Lorenzo Lamas. Over and over and Edward over. James Almost. Wait, no, not Edward James Almost. Who's the Who's the guy from Chips? Eric Estrada. Eric Estrada. Eric Estrada. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Eric Estrada might have been a little before that era, but yeah. No, they're all gone. I wish we saw them. But I also wish um, on those tapes we had, I would, uh, I got, I was really into Queen, so I like had a bunch of like recordings of like trying to sing Queen songs, and I had, you know, little radio shows and voices and things like that. But we also took it on the very first tour we ever went on. Right. I remember the that. very, very first tour where uh, to capture the moments to, yeah. to, to document. Yeah. yeah, we would. It's brilliant. When we were when we were good about it, we would keep tour logs in the early days. We would either do an audio recording later. Of course, we did. We did a lot of video stuff. Mm-hmm. And then there was even we had a tour journal for a while and we would. Those were almost funnier because it was written and it was written by drunk teenagers. Mm-hmm. You know and what I mean? there were a lot of little drawings in there and a little, oh, like, yeah, antics perfect. and all sorts of stuff. <laughs> it's, so. Yeah, yeah. The making so of an be, episode of Mortified like, in here somewhere. Oh, man. Be like, we ran into a crazy old man, and then there'd be, like, a stick drawing of a crazy old man. Like, Oh, yeah. Know? And and it would be different people's handwriting. So you would try and decipher who wrote it. And there'd be, like, a line by Jerry that just says, Aaron sleeps creepy. And sleeps is spelled wrong. It's S L E A P S. And then you're looking through pictures of the tour later, and there's a picture of me like sleeping with T Rex arms with my cheeks all sucked in. And it's like, oh, that's what the journal was referencing. No, but we had uh, we had a tape recorder with us, and that's where the further bulletins as events warrant thing comes right, from. Right. Like we like one of the things that shows up in the comic, and and I've I've referenced it a bunch of times just because it's an old tour joke. 
is Joey Chase did most of the tour updates. Mm-hmm. So Joey would get on the recorder and be like, tour update. We just pulled into Dayton, Ohio, and blah, 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 blah. And he would mention what was going on and then be like, further bulletins as events warrant. And <laughs> on that recording is, oh, have I ever told this story on the podcast? I'm sure I have told this story on the podcast. Are you talking about the worm story? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Gordo, you'll have yeah, to tell I, me I don't if rec- I've ever told this story. I don't recall. Story. So uh, on that recording is the aftermath of an event, an infamous event in our band's history that happened on the first tour we ever went on. If I've mentioned this on a previous episode, for those of you who have been with us for every episode, I apologize that you have to listen through this again, but it bears repeating. Many years ago, uh, I brought, on that first tour we went on, I took my mom's camera. My mom had this, you know, pretty good camera, and and I took it with us to, to document stuff. And, you know, we're taking pictures of us in the back of the van, and we're having fun, and we're drinking, and we're going all these places, and just young guys goofing around. And then, as happens with young guys, uh, we start doing gross stuff to each other. And Worm was passed out on the grass. I think we were in uh, Naperville, Illinois, somewhere. And we took some pictures where I put, like, my balls on his face, and like put my dick in his ear and we like took some pictures, right? Like you do when you're a young man. Later on the next day, we're driving and our old drummer, Brandon, he, he, he's this funny guy, but he had this ability to just like, he, we called him the joke killer because he would just like take jokes so far that just it like crashed him into the ground like he would go full throttle on a joke and just crash it into the ground right and uh we're in the we're in the van and we're driving in and every time worm says something we're just going huh what i can't hear you what's that i got something lodged in my ear you know and he's like the fuck are you talking about i'm sad and he would just talk louder and then brandon keeps the fucking joke going too far and he's just like he's like huh what huh what i can't hear you i got a dick in my ear (laughs) and worm goes what the fuck did you put your fucking dick in my ear and i start laughing and i'm like yep and i took a picture and he's like oh you motherfucker i'm gonna get you back ah god i'm gonna get you you just wait you just wait i'm gonna get you later on that day we're in this parking garage this was definitely in naperville the other one was, must have been in a different town. It must have been in, like, Elgin, Illinois, or something like that. But we're, the next day, we're on top of this parking garage, and we're meeting up with some friends who are in the area, including Ernie, who we saw this weekend. Mm-hmm. You know, Joey's there. A couple friends, uh, a couple friends of theirs from, from the area are there, and we're, we're hanging out in this parking, uh, like, on top of the roof of this parking garage. I was not there. You were I not there. I wasn't on this tour. No, because like Jordan was playing bass. years old, I think. Yeah. And I Jordan think played bass on like, this tour. like, hell no, you're not getting in a van. I can't imagine I why. Like, <laughs> I can't imagine why. I almost just went anyway, but I... Dude, you know, and, like, looking, looking back on this time, it's like... When you couldn't go on tour with us, we're like, oh, that's lame. I can't believe Logan's parents won't let him go on tour. And it's like, now I'm like, as a father, I'm like, absolutely not. You're not going on tour until you're over 18, yeah. going out there 
drinking alcohol and putting your balls on each other's faces. Ridiculous children. That's the no. Play, that's the playbook. Yeah, they knew. My my face and ears were safe at home. <laughs> no so, balls. No. So no I'm bags. taking a nap in the van. And you got to keep in mind, this van is, like we've mentioned in the past, we kept a lot of pornography in the van in those days. And we've got tons of pornography in the back of the van. And I wake up in the middle of my nap and... I'm having trouble seeing. Everything's kind of blurry all around me. And I'm like trying to open my eyes and there's something stuck in my eyelashes and I can't I can't see so well. Like It's what you think it is. And and then I start coming to <laughs> and it's all warm and it's like and I start to make out this figure of this red-haired pasty Zit-faced, fucking wife beater and fucking chain and lock around his neck wearing fucking sparkly nail polished wearing fucking guitar player of mine who is panting and laughing and he wore a lot of jewelry. So I can like hear the like jingle, ching, 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 ching of the bracelets on his wrist. And I finally open my eyes and worm is fucking ejaculating on my face. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And laughing. And I'm like, ah, oh my fucking God. Ah! And I get up and I'm punching the shit out of him. And I'm like, are oh, you fucking motherfucker? And I jump out of the van and they're like, what happened? And someone's like, worm just on his face. Oh, my God. And, like, Ernie's laughing at me. And I get mad. And I, like, jump in through the window. And I start swinging. And I'm like, fuck you, man. This is this is disgusting. And then on the recording, it comes on. And Joey's like, Aaron, what the fuck? Tell people what happened. Worm just jizzed on your face. How do you feel? It just goes over. And I'm just like, ah, how the fuck do you think I feel? He just on my face ah! and everybody's like everybody's like oh, so we're gonna go into Chicago man you gonna come with or what and I'm like no fuck you I'm not going anywhere fuck him I'm gonna stay here in the van da, da, da. I'm just so mad right I'm humiliated and uh, they all take off they go and spend the day in Chicago and I'm just sitting there stewing and I'm so mad and ah! and um, I uh you know, in addition to porn, there's snacks. There's road snacks everywhere. And I noticed this can of corn nuts that Worm has been snacking on throughout the trip. And I go, huh, what if he's planning on eating those later? Zip. And I pull out some of the pornography that we had on hand. And I started jerking off, and I jizzed in the can of corn nuts. Jesus. And then I did it again. And then I did it again with the veracity in the drive that only 17-year-old boys have. <laughs> and I spent the entire time that they were in Chicago reloading and firing off into this can of corn nuts and shook them up and then left them there and waited for everyone to get back. And immediately, 
Within getting into the van, Worm grabs the can of corn nuts. He's like, oh, right on, corn nuts, and starts mowing down on them. And he's like, oh, these taste fucking stale. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, what else do they taste like? And he goes, like the realization hits his face, and he's like, oh, my fucking God. Ah! <laughs> oh, God. He's like, all right, truce. And I'm like, okay, truce. <laughs> yeah, because where can it possibly go from there? I mean... Then you just start jizzing in, in each, each other. other. In each other, yeah. yeah. Then it's like, ah, come here, I want you. <laughs> That's really gross. I mean, Worm was cute. Maybe. It might have gone to that point. That's a really gross story. It's a horribly gross story. It's, yeah, it's incredibly disgusting. And now, our, and now our dozen or so listeners can't unknow that shit. Yeah. Yeah, man. So if you ever think you're having a bad day, remember... Remember, uh, welcome to episode <laughs> 69, oh, 69, 69 of the motherfucking 69. podcast. That's the longest intro I think we've had in the history of the podcast. It was oh. appropriate to the number, though. Yeah. yeah. And that, I didn't even plan that. That's just how this show flows, man. Welcome to episode. It's alive. <laughs> it's a living organism, man. It can't be contained. Can't be contained in a in a petri dish, in a laboratory somewhere, underground, in a bunker, safe from society. It'll escape. Nature finds a way. This thing wants to exist. It wants to grow and evolve I and was proliferate. Say, uh, referencing that robot chicken episode, and the guy asks how much poop it would take to build the pyramids. Oh, we on yeah. tour one time tried to figure out how. How many loads it would take to fill up a swimming pool with ejaculate? We're like, if you... So, well, and then we also tried to figure is out... This, is this just random data compilation, or is this actually... Well, we kind of... We kind of figured it out. Based. We, we kind of we we figured out how much water would be held in a swimming pool, and then we figured out how much you you come on, on average, you know? We did, we, and well, we what did we the did math. Is we, figured out, we figured out the volume of the average ejaculate, and then we figured out the volume of the Grand Canyon, the total volume of the Grand Canyon. Oh, we were talking about a grand, the Grand Canyon. Yeah, yeah. It was the Grand Canyon, remember? Oh, and then I think we shrunk it down to a swimming pool because we were like, that's just a lot. Well, we were, what we were trying to figure out is how long it would take <laughs> if every man on the planet of ejaculating age... If every man on the planet of ejaculating age lined up the sides of the Grand Canyon, how long would it take them to fill it with jizz? That's what we were trying to figure out. So what we tried to figure out was the average, the volume of the average ejaculation, the volume of the Grand Canyon, the number of men on the planet Earth of maturity to be able to ejaculate and how many ejaculations on average they could produce during uh, in a single day. And we tried to figure out how long it would take them to do it. And we wrote all this down. And I think, I don't think we saved the data because I think we were a little disappointed in ourselves when we figured it out. Especially, well, and the other You're thing is... disappointed in yourselves or... Or just fellow man. Well, here's the other thing, too. <laughs> Definitely ourselves. Is 
is at a certain point it becomes almost infinite because the Grand Canyon isn't like a perfect basin. You know what I mean? It, it kind of it tapers off and it goes to infinity. It's like where does the Grand Canyon end and the not Grand Canyon begin? So then it becomes a question of how much volume is in the entire space of the Earth. And how long would it take for all the men in the universe to fill up the earth with jizz? I think that's about the time we shrunk it down to a swimming, a swimming pool. pool. I think you're right. And then we were like, About okay. the time you came to the Camarado River. <laughs> the <Maybe> Camarado <laughs> River. Buzzing. And the pun of the day was brought to you by Gordo G. Gordelstein. Yes. Uh, it's episode 69 of the motherfucking podcast. Hi. Hello. Thanks for listening. This is the official podcast of the International Power Rock Combo, Motherfucking Ruckus from Denver and Chicago, respectively. It is. I'm Aaron Howell. I'm Logan Theodore Logan. I'm Grotus. <laughs> I'm gross. And uh, we're, we're happy to be here. Um, Sam Talon is not here today. I'm going to go ahead and take responsibility for this. Yeah, I'm going to take responsibility for it. I went looking through the threads. I invited him to the show. He said yes. I sent him the date, and we never confirmed the date. I just went along assuming for all these months, and uh, I haven't heard, and I, I, I wrote him a second time and haven't heard back from him. So for all I know, he could be touring. He could be overseas. He could be doing 100 different things. And He's a busy no guy. He's he is a busy, a busy guy. guy. So stay tuned. Sam Talent will be on the program soon. Should uh, have him call in. Yeah. Uh, I would rather have him here in person because he's just an interesting person to be around. He is, he is easily one of the funniest people around. And uh, Sam, if you hear this, we're looking forward to having you on, man. Good guy. Funny guy. Great comedian from uh, our hometown of Denver, Colorado. Uh very happy to be here. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling your friends. Thanks for supporting the podcast. Thanks for supporting everything that we do, man. It means the world to us. Thank you so much. Um, I had a, you may have seen recently, we posted a write-up by uh, Brett Garski, I think is the way he pronounces his last name, or Garska. Garsk, maybe. His blog is Old Guy at the, uh, Old Guy at the Show. Um and he does, a, he does a lot of write-ups about local shows. I think he's got like 127 articles up on his website. It's good stuff. He, he wrote up uh, the last show we did at the Oriental and then, um, and, uh, and then load, uh, wrote up the Hank Von Hell show. But he came by the, the merch booth at the Hank Von Hell show and said, by the way, I'm one of the 12 people that listens to your podcast, and I love it. Please keep doing it. <laughs> 13. All right. Yeah, yeah. So, Brett, Super cool. thank you 13. so much for the write-up. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Thank you so much for coming to our shows and supporting the band. Um, we like your stuff. One of the things I really like about Brett is in the last two write-ups he's done on us, he has made us sound way cooler than the people that we're supposed to be supporting. Like, he was like... Yeah, I guess Hank Von Hell was kind of adorable in a Norwegian kind of way, but the band that was really awesome that night was these guys. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, Pretty cool. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, man. means the world. Uh, yeah. Uh, man, 
It's been a crazy fucking time, mm-hmm. as we discussed on the last episode. Um, right out the gate, um, Logan, Gordo, and anybody else who listens who happened to be there, thank you so much for coming to my brother's celebration of life this weekend. It was fucking beautiful. It was. It was, it was amazing. Great. It was fun. It was a great turnout. Um, you know, it, it, it really came together and... You know, obviously, it's not exactly as you imagine it, but it ends up becoming better than you could have possibly imagined it. And um, one of the things that I was saying to myself on the way home, because I'll tell you something, and Gordo, you may have experienced this when your dad passed away. There's something, and and I guess my dad was kind of warned about this by the people who were, um, like my dad has this retirees association that that the Denver police has for you know, you so that you can go to and you can get therapy anytime you want and you can talk to someone and get resources anytime that you want for the rest of your life if you've been a police officer, right? If you're a retired police officer, and I guess they notify you know they warned him ahead of time they're like the week after the memorial is one of the hardest weeks because so much of your energy goes into the preparations that need to be made for that thing that you're kind of focused on and distracted by all the to-dos that there are sarah sarah had that for an extended period of time because they their dad didn't want anything. He didn't want a memorial. So it just kind of went on and on and on where they were kind of dealing with house stuff. You know what I mean? They had kind of oh, had, yeah. they kind of oh, had the yeah. project to deal with the whole time. Mm, okay. And now that we're, t- you know, a little over two weeks out, probably exactly, yeah, actually exactly two weeks out. Um, and we're on the other side of, of the memorial, the celebration of life, the funeral, whatever you want to call it. Now that we're on the other side of it, I almost immediately kind of felt the come down. You know what I mean? Like I did, I did, I did hang there for the whole night. You know, I sat by the fire with my dad. You know, we did some scattering of ashes, just a spoonful because my dad wants to save the rest to like plant with the tree, you know, on the property. He's, he wants to wait until spring and, and we're going to do something around Brian's birthday. You know, we're going to make, we're going to. We're going to do something fun, something cool. Well, not fun, fun, but, you know, we're going to do something cool. Right, right. And uh, so we did that and, and played Amazing Grace and had a good cry and all that shit. And, and my dad and I went and sat by the chimney and Biscuit came and sat with us and Irma and Jake Fairley and Meg. And, and a handful of people were coming in and out, Andy and my sister. And, uh, you know, my brother-in-law, Andy, he came and sat on the cajon and played. And I played guitar and jammed for a while. But then after that, it's like dark and it's just everybody that's left is drunk mm-hmm. or kind of sitting, having mellow conversation. And I'm breaking everything down. You know, I'm saying my goodbyes to people and, and walking around and, and just getting things wrapped up sufficiently. And I'm on my way home and, you know, feeling feeling that kind of come down and whatnot. And I said out loud to myself, I was like, yeah, well, now, you know, that's what it's like. Meaning, all the times you think about what would happen if I were to die right now, you know what I mean? When you start 
feeling sorry for yourself and you start feeling bad about yourself and you're and I know everybody does it and if you don't you just haven't gotten to it yet in your life you know what I mean because sure. I think it I think it happens for everyone like to where you hit your darkest place and you start wondering what it would be like if you were to die and if you were to witness your own funeral your own service and considering my brother's age and considering his level of popularity and considering, you know, how well he was liked. The event that we put together is the best that anyone can hope for. And so when I said that's what it's like, it was like this statement of like, that's about how many people are going to be there. That's about the, the, that's the best you could hope for in terms of like resources being put into it and effort by people and, and love and tears. And like that was a quantifiable representation of what it is like. And it's like, so focus on about that many people, about those people who you suspect would be there. Obviously, there's going to be people that you would never suspect that would be there. But about the people that you suspect would be there, about like, it's it's like now it's like this thing that I don't really even have to think about anymore, because it's like, it gave a lot of reality to it, you know what I mean? It gave it this quantifiable measurement of like, it's like, this is pretty much the best you can hope for when you die, so it's probably best to focus on living and not worry too much about that. Because it's not going to be as big or as small as you think it's going to be. Right, yeah. If Does that make if, sense? If it's anything. If yeah. it's anything. Yeah. If it's anything. Yeah. You know, if we're lucky, if we're really lucky, we'll live to be super old and die surrounded by a few people. Right. And be mourned by a few people. You know, you ever gone to a really old person's funeral? Yeah. Dude, you go to a really old person's funeral, they don't have anybody left to come mourn them. Right, yeah. It's like their kids, their grandkids, their neighbors, people from church, and their friends that didn't die before them. My grandma outlasted everybody in my family except for me. Were you the only person at your grandma's funeral? Uh, we didn't We didn't have a service for her because she said she didn't want one right before she died. She, she was 99. So when she I make was, that statement, that's the best you can hope for. It's like, that's the best you can hope for, and it's going to get smaller as time goes on. So stop worrying about it. The church, her church actually contacted me. It was like, can do we you do, do, do you want to do, do a something? service? And, and, you know, I was like, of course, you know, and. And then I kind of felt like a schmuck for not having a service put together, but I literally, she had no one left. Yeah. You know, so that was rough. It was like, you know. and It's like, what do you do? Yeah, yeah. And it was so, yeah, it was, it was pretty crazy. But, yeah, that's. Well, especially if the, if the, you know, I don't like the term the decedent, but especially when the loved one is. You know, someone who didn't have a lot of relationships or lived a real long fucking time. Right. You know? And it's like, 
I'm really glad that so many people showed up for my brother. I've said this probably a dozen times since. I wish it had been for literally any other occasion. Mm-hmm. I wish it had been his birthday. I wish it had been a wedding. I wish it had been the birth of his first child. Yeah. Literally anything else. Mm-hmm. But knowing what that looks like, it makes me want to do my best to stay alive a long time so that the people that I care about don't have to experience that from me because they're going to experience it from someone else. Mm -hmm. So any of the times that I've had have either felt suicidal or even passively suicidal where, you know, you just get nihilistic and don't feel like taking care of yourself. Mm -hmm. Like that, that has so much more gravity now than it did before. Yeah, I felt like I didn't even understand what nihilism meant until my dad passed away. Yeah, talk yeah. more about that. What do you mean? Well, I just, I, I, you know, I wanted to go with him. Really? I wanted to go with him. I didn't see really much point. I was, I was like, how old were you when your dad passed away? This was just, this was just in 2013. Really? Yeah. Wow. And I, it was, it, it hurt so bad. That it was just Because you guys were really close. Oh, yeah. Yeah, very close. He was like your best friend, wasn't he? And Yeah, in, in a, a lot, lot of ways. ways yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, like, it was just, it was, I had never felt anything quite that profound. Yeah? Um, and, yeah, I mean, I ended up writing songs about it. <laughs> right. Know, like... You know, and I, I, I'm very appreciative that I have some kind of an outlet and some kind of a way of expressing that, you know, in a way that it's difficult to just sitting here talking to you guys. Well, and it, <laughs> you know, like it, it's it, difficult to put into yeah, words. Yeah, you know? for real. It's very difficult it to put re, into words. It re, it, the term that's coming to mind is it does reallocate your Y energy. You yeah. know, it real, yeah. it reallocates, it reallocates your, your motivational energy. You know, it, it really, it really made me like, I, I have since still had moments where I've maybe gone into, you know, lapsed into self-loathing or self-pity or, or even, you know, a depressive episode or whatever, but it's, it's manifest in a completely different way now in that, in that it's like, I really feel like, well, I better get busy just living and focusing on what actually matters because at at that end stuff is like man you know we 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 really did so much to honor my brother and it's still and it was beautiful and it gave people a lot of closure and it was this cathartic event but it also didn't do the one thing that i wish that it would do you know what i mean yeah. Because there is literally nothing that will do that. Right. So all you can do is just live for two, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of take on. And, and now I have this, like, I'm taking on this responsibility of, like, all right, I'm going to live for you, too, you know, Hop on my back now. Yeah. 
yeah. Going forward. That's a good way of looking at it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you have to you you have to find, you know, you have to find purpose, your own sense of purpose and your own will to move past the grief. It took me a long time. It took yeah. me a really long time. So I, you know, like it's and it's it works differently for everyone, you know. Although I am although I am super proud of what we accomplished, um I have the worst fucking hangover afterburn going on after all that. You know, because I kept myself so busy the entire time. It's a good thing that I screamed my guts out for the first couple of days because otherwise I probably wouldn't have given myself time to do it at all. Right. And so now in the in the past, in the days since, in the past couple of days, like yesterday, I felt just exhausted and stiff. And today was like returning everything. You know, today was like going to my parents' house and loading up the, the Hyundai accent um, with, you know, the PA equipment and the the monitor that I that I borrowed from Jeremiah Ludeman, who, you know, we did the the uh, slideshow on and, you know, coolers back to fire on the mountain and and, you know, picking up guitars and picking up the suit and like. All that shit that needs to get done. Right. You know? The, the, even after the revolution, someone's got to clean up the fucking, the parade. You know what I mean? And, uh, and yeah, so, so there's been, there's been some interesting going on since then. Uh, stuff going on since then. But, that out of the way, that heaviness out of the way, I could not be more proud of the way things went on Saturday. There were so many people there mm-hmm. that I could not get from one side of the house to another. I had to start taking secret ways into the house if I needed to do something. Yeah, I, I can only imagine. Because, like, yeah. tr- trying to get through a crowd, it's like people I haven't seen in literally 25 years. Mm-hmm. I'm like talking, I'm talking to one of the guys I work with and he's telling me about how he lost two brothers. Like he lost one at 31 to cancer. He lost the second one in a car wreck at 24. And we ta- we're sitting there talking for a while. And then I turn around and my grandfather's brother, who I haven't seen since my grandfather died when I was in the fifth grade, is standing wow. right in front of me. And he goes, you don't recognize me, do you? Wow. And it all comes to me and I go holy fuck Uncle Bob and I give him this big hug and I'm like dude you look just like my grandpa would have looked if he had made it to to be your age dude he's like yeah I guess a little bit you know we kind of look alike and he has MS and I'm like dude I heard about your health how's your health how are you doing he goes oh I'm getting around fine you know I'm doing okay I got the MS but da 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 is you know, his wife comes up and, you know, she's got dementia and like, you know, is and she's smiling and they're getting by and they're, you know, well, we got to get back to Laramie or, yeah, you know, Cheyenne and it's a beautiful service. It's so good to see you. And they go on their way, you know. Wow. Just, you know, and running into like, it took me two hours pretty much to find that Sarah and Ransom weren't there anymore. <laughs> like, 
I'm off. I'm on stage, kind of shutting everything down after the the, the actual event. Mm. And Ernie, our old friend Ernie Ben Romero, came up. And first thing he says to me, he goes, "Dude, when the fuck did you go bald?" And I'm like, "Nice to see <laughs> oh, you man. too." Wow. I'm like, "It didn't happen overnight." I'm like, "It's crazy, dude. It just like it's on the back of my head, so I didn't notice it." Until the guys started taking pictures of it and making fun of me in the van. Like, <laughs> the, the North American skullet in its infancy, you know? <laughs> like, oh, man. Yeah, yeah, no, the, Ty took a picture of that and put it on the internet, and I laughed my fucking ass off. I was like, oh, my God, I am really going bald. Anyway, uh, so Ernie's like, you know, we're walking, we're talking, we're hanging out. I got people are coming in from either side and giving hugs and condolences mm. and whatnot. And then um, he's like, all right, let's see that baby. And I'm like, we're kind of walking along, and I keep telling him about the baby. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, he's 20 pounds. He goes, he's 20 fucking pounds. My, he's like, my kid is 10 months old, and he's and and is and is only 17 pounds. And I'm like, yeah, he's 21 weeks. <laughs> he's 20 fucking pounds. Like he's a giant. He's a big boy. He's big, a big, big little man. Yeah, he's a big little man. But we're like walking, and as I'm walking, I'm like looking around, trying to find Sarah, trying to see where she is. Like I can see. The stroller, so I know she's around somewhere. Mm-hmm. But in the time it like takes me to like wade through all the crowds, talking to people all the way around, realize she's nowhere to be found, and makes my way back. The stroller is gone. She's taken off in that time, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, I'm sorry, dude. I, I can't introduce you to my baby. Yeah. Like it, he, I have no idea where he is. The baby has left the premises. Yeah. I was <laughs> like, he's always wandering off, doing his own thing. <laughs> Yeah, man. Me and my brother were playing with him, and my brother has huge, gigantic, fat man hands, you know? He's like a bigger Logan, if you can imagine (laughs) that. And so we're just, like, poking at Aaron's kid, and he grabbed Marshall's finger and just put it in his mouth. (laughs) And he was just like, oh. I was like. (laughs) Probably looked like a cigar. finger, huh, buddy? (laughs) Probably looked like a cigar in his mouth, man. It was pretty funny. And uh, my parents were at the service, and... They, that was cool. They probably haven't been around the Howell family in, in a long time. Years. And I guess uh, your mom, my mom, and our lifelong friends, uh, Jim and Roxanne. Who, who, if you've been to shows, you've seen him at shows. Yeah. Like, yeah. Jim and Roxanne Gelroth at every single show. But Roxanne, your mom, and my mom all sat down and like, talked. And I was like, how long has that been? That's like, really cool, man. Yeah. And they just talked about how they. Because your folks are the only forever. ones who st- stayed in the neighborhood. Yeah. Like, them and the Bennetts are, like, the only people who stayed mm-hmm. in the neighborhood. Everybody's gone. Like, it's crazy, man. And seeing your parents there and seeing your parents go there and stay there and hang out. Yeah. And see, you know, your brother and Liz and Bindi running around, like, seeing Sean Tyson and Puerto mm-hmm. Rican Mike and all... All that whole corn, like all the DMS guys, yeah. and all the fire on the mountain people, and all the distant family, and all the people my parents know from dance and scouts, and like, like people that we like from all these chapters of Brian's life, which are incidentally they overlap with various chapters of your and my life, mm-hmm. you know. Plus, there's just like the friends that didn't even really know Brian. Like Gordo, you didn't even know Brian, did you? Only met him once. Yeah, and you you came out, and I think Finley only met him one or maybe two times. Mm-hmm. You know, Tay was there. Like, dude, just getting all those people in the same room, and it, and I was like, 
I was like, I think I was saying to to Sean and some of the other guys, I was like, you know, it really sucks that it takes this to get us together, but I'm really glad that it does get us together. Right. You know, I'm I'm glad that it performs that function at least. Mm-hmm. And it was, um, man, it was just, I don't even think that I got to say hi to everyone that was there. I'm not surprised. It was a lot of people. Yeah. It was a lot of people. And it was, and, and um, you know, having Braden and Abe sitting up with us on stage there, having uh, Mike, the sax player, yeah, he just came up to me at the, the event, at the service, and was just like, Aaron, we've never met, um, but I was Brian's really good friend in high school, and we, I just never came around the house. Like, I never, you weren't around the house when I was around. Mm-hmm. I was, he was like, I brought my sax. I can play anything. He's like, would that be cool if I sat in with you? And I'm like, absolutely, that would be cool if you yeah. sat in with us. I'm like, we got chord charts out. And he's like, I can, I can follow whatever you guys are doing. And he did. Like, he was a hell of a sax really player. I was, I was on the sax side. Dude, he was such a good player. On the side of the sax. And fucking Andy Hersher, my brother-in-law, is on the cone and... Uncle Skip on the guitar and Aunt Dawn on guitar and singing and and my sister and and Abe and Braden from Hangman's Hymnal. It was just like, dude, it's one of those things that like you would never wish on anyone. Mm -hmm. But if it happens to you, you hope that it's like that. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. My. uh my mother-in-law's boyfriend, Lee, he's old, and he's beat cancer three times. And he's seen a lot of people die. And he was like, he was like that was the coolest funeral I've ever been to. <laughs> it was. It was very good, cool. I mean, there was just, like, so much, so much funny things that happened and so, so much sad shit that happened, but, like, at the same time, it was a very overall, like, good feeling yeah. to be around people. Yeah. Uh, Puerto Rican Mike's little daughter was running around. And I don't know Lila, if Lila, is that Puerto her name? Rican Mike. I, no, I didn't. I didn't meet him. Uh, he, he was the crazy, long-haired, uh, tattooed guy with the white beater on. The he black stands okay. out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, his daughter's name is Lilith. Lilith. Oh, it's Lilith. I think it's Lilith. Is, it I, thought it it, I thought it was Lila. Oh, it is Lila. Because yeah, yeah. I remember him yelling, yo, Lila. She don't listen, man. But uh, <laughs> she's running around to people, and she's introducing herself to people. And she's like, hi, she's I'm Lila. Puerto Rican Mike's my dad. And I was just like, that kid can get away with whatever he wants. Oh, yeah. Whatever yeah. she wants. Can just, you ima- can you imagine yeah, trying to? was already broke. Can you imagine when she's a teenager and dudes are trying to come over for dates, and Puerto Rican Mike answers the door? It's like, yo, where are you taking my daughter? Nowhere, sir. I'm taking myself home. I am leaving now. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Dad! Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. It was... There was just so much... And, I mean, you know, Mikey from here at the Nug Nation, he and Max, um, they helped me arrange the live stream. And the live stream turned out beautiful. They did a two-camera shoot on a live digital relay and the guy jared who came and ran the sling studio and like like basically produced the live stream he came up to me after the show with tears in his eyes 
and he's like, I didn't know your brother, man, but you know, he was like, I really wish I had. It's like, that was, he's like, that was beautiful. And I, dude, just this guy I've never met before in my life who was just there to run equipment. Yeah. You know, Sarah's mom came up to me and was like, she was like, she's like, well, I never met your brother. Mm-hmm. I never knew him. And then she starts crying. She's like, but I really feel like I have, you know, I really feel like I did. Wow. Yeah. Incredible, man. Joey was really hit by it. He was what? like, Joey's Joey, seen a lot of loss, man. Joey was just like, wow. Uh, his his uh, lady had to leave. She was just, I mean, she lost somebody recently, and she had to, like, get out of there, you know? It was she just was overwhelming. Just, yeah. yeah. Which I totally totally know. get. Yeah. Oh, they, they had gone to a, hadn't they gone to a service just prior or, or was very it? recently yeah. very recently yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I can't remember who and i feel like a dick for bringing it up and not knowing who it was but she recently lost somebody and she was just overwhelmed by it and had to remove herself there were a couple times i had to go inside like i was just hanging out and i would just be like i need to move around and do something else besides just stand here you know one of the one of the you talked about output um, having an outlet, Gordo, and one of the things that's that's interesting is how you know when I when I started writing the book, I had certain ideas in mind for ideas that I wanted to communicate, but there is like certain things in the storyline have now taken on this new meaning now just because of this event where like so much of it now becomes more about loss and regret like especially the the new book that jake and i are almost done with like i told him i was like i kind of want to go back and rewrite some things i might want to add a couple things um and not even illustrations that are there just like rewriting some of the dialogue just so that it better conveys this, this, because I mean, you know, it's no secret. Parker left the band and it wasn't nice. You know, it hasn't been a fun experience. I think that's evident by the fact that we've barely said anything about it in a public forum and that we had to write a press release and that we barely talked about it on here, you know, the fact that we have said so little says so much. Right, right. And so it was in a lot of ways like a brother died because the relationship died. Mm. And then an actual brother died. And it is just colored so much of that now. You know, it, and it is just like become this like this very real, very visceral um, character motivation within the overall arc of the story, you know? And, and I mean, I, it's, it's just, it's going to change it so much and it's going to, I'm, I'm a little apprehensive about it because it's something that is like now becomes so personal 
You know, and you've got to wonder the people who have written hit songs about very personal things in your life, in their life. Like Eric Clapton writing a song about his toddler dying and it becoming so big. Yeah, that song is huge. It's enormous and it, and and it's been played at funerals and and is on everybody's sad song list. Mm. It has become so big that it has even become the object of horrible jokes and humor. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do know what you mean. You know exactly what I mean. I know no, yeah. a lot about what you mean. There, I mean, not... like, it's, it's one of those things that it's, like, like, so huge. You have got to wonder what Eric Clapton's experience is having taken something so personal and put it into the world. Now, you can say whatever you want about Eric Clapton. You know, I happen to like his music. I don't know a ton about him as a person. I've heard there are unsavory things, and I've heard there are quite nice things. I don't know. I don't know the guy. I saw him live one time, and it was great. It was great? Yeah, it was a really I good mean, performance. I like Eric Clapton as an artist, and the things that he did that were shitty, I think he was an alcoholic and an addict, and I think that turns people into monsters. Like, I don't hate alcohol. Mm-hmm. I don't hate people who drink. I don't necessarily hate that I have been a drunk. I don't necessarily hate that alcohol played a hand. Or, or no, I do hate that. I, I don't hate alcohol, and I don't necessarily hate that there are people that drink. But I do hate the effect that alcohol has on people. Because it is like easily the most damaging drug there is it is easily the most dangerous drug that there is in the world i think i don't think that's even arguable and i think that sometimes people should get a pass for shitty things that they've done while they are drunk because drinking turns people into monsters Mm -hmm. it disengages the part of our brain that regulates us and keeps us from being monsters. Oh, we've all said and done things when we're While drunk, drunk that, you know, it's like, ooh, like, wow. I mean, that can't right, be yeah. argued. I wish I didn't remember that I said that. Yeah, or, that, or, is, or, that, or, is, right. that is, yeah. Yeah. it is inarguable. And, and yes, people make a choice to consume drugs, but we're only just now starting to figure out like, we're only just starting to scratch the surface on treating addiction and substance abuse. And a lot of the most um, effective uh, treatment um, protocols and modalities are, have, have not even entered the public awareness necessarily. You know what I mean? They're still kind of unknown. Like, if you've got a drinking problem, people are usually either like, get it together or go to AA. You know, there's a ton more information out there that is like just starting to proliferate through society. And so like, so yes, so that was a, you know, that was a major tangent on talking about Eric Clapton. But I think that there are some things that we need to realize that people were chemically altered and may not, maybe not give them a full pass, but at least stir it into the pot of consideration. But that guy taking that song and putting it out into the world, the level of vulnerability and trust that that takes to like, because I've written songs of a very personal nature 
and our band doesn't even have 5,000 followers on Facebook, okay? Like, maybe 100 or so, 150 people a month listen to us on Spotify. Maybe. That's a good month. If 150 people are... That's, are, a, that's a great month. That's a great month, right? For us, for a band at our level, that's a great month. And even still, there are songs like Coffin or... Um, God, you know, what's a real uh, an, another real personal song or like Don't Make Me Hurt You or something like that? Like mm-hmm. songs like that, those are of a very personal nature. You know, I've got tons of songs that I I haven't even released that are of a very personal nature. You know, and there are things that even we released in our past that I am like deeply ashamed of. You know that we put out into the world. Right. Yeah, me too. Yeah, sure. yeah, there, there, there are things that right. I'm like, that does not reflect my view of the world right. at all anymore. There's a lot of things that are hard to listen to and get through, and I, I just find myself like, right, face palming and just being like, Jesus Christ, I can't even imagine what it's like on the scale of millions and tens of millions and hundreds of millions. Well, I mean, like, imagine. I mean, I guess a good example would be somebody like like the Beastie Boys. Oh who, yeah, you know, like that's that's the one that comes to mind at least. Like that's their a good example. their first, out, yeah, their their initial output was just you know, dude, and they like, they apologized not in their fuck, music you know? for that. And yeah, and they and they literally yeah they literally turned that corner where they were like yeah we're making an apology and we're kind of trying to rectify, you know, the our own history. You yeah, know, trying to make it right. You know, it's 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 pretty incredible. And 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 they and to what's do the gal's so, name from so uh, well. Bikini? What's the gal's name from Bikini Kill? Oh, Kathleen Hanna. Yeah, Kathleen Hanna that ended up getting married to yeah. Ad uh, Rock. Yeah, and and she even says in that documentary, the punk singer or whatever it is, she even says she's like, you know, here I am falling in love with this guy who's singing, you know, girls to do the dishes, girls uh. to do the laundry. You know, she's like, I'm supposed to be like. The face of the riot girl movement. Yeah. And here I am running around with wow. this this fucking dickhead. You know, I, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, it's pretty crazy. They kept their relationship <laughs> kind of secret at first. They did for a long time. And this is all yeah. in the Bikini Kill documentary. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, the I'll punk singer. It it's really good. It's cool. Yeah. It's a really good. But documentary. they and they do they have a great relationship. I mean, at least from what you could see in the documentary, they have a great relationship. So so is this our public apology for some of the crap that we've written, dude? In the past? You know. I, I, I just hope that people can take into account that we were young and dumb and stupid. And, and dude, I, I, here's the thing. So, yes. Okay. Yes. I think, it's, I think we, we can safely apologize for some of the dumb shit that we did when we were younger the, the and some of the vile, dumb stuff that we put out. Yeah. Some, of the, some of the sexist, misogynist, fucking the intolerant shit that we put out. You know? Mm-hmm. We were teenagers trying to be funny and we we were basing our behavior off of other models mm-hmm. but we can still take responsibility for carrying on the chain that our models set before us i think you can i think you can do both at the same time i think there's this like battle going on in society which the battle is over apologizing or or political or you know don't let your political correctness you know boss me around you know but it really stems from your personal feelings on the matter you know you still got your fat mics and your 
You know, you, you got plenty of people who are completely unapologetic about anything that they do. You know, and I think you can you know. apologize and say that society, that that, that political culture and and cancel culture, or, or uh, politically correct culture and cancel culture and call out culture, whatever you want to call it, goes too far. And apologize when you fuck up. Sure. There's room for all of it, and and I and I feel like there's so much in the argument that that is not leaving room for nuance with that. You know what I mean? Exactly. People get yeah. so defensive about their position, they're like they're like, I won't apologize for anything I said. It's like, yeah, I'll apologize to anyone who comes to me and says that I generally har- that I that I genuinely harmed them. But that's the thing is like you know I mean. Only an idiot keeps the same opinion for their entire life. Right. So, you know what I mean? Like, I don't trust right, anybody that yeah. doesn't change their opinions over time and, like, and grow as a person. Like, I don't, you know, what what the yeah. fuck, you know? You, you have to be, you sure. have to have room to grow, man. I think it's, <laughs> I think it's perfectly reasonable to say to someone, I'm really sorry that I offended you or harmed you, or I'm really sorry that I was, like, mean in some way, you know? Mm-hmm. I, w- I, I was trying to be funny, and I'm sorry. I was trying to be funny, or I was trying to I was trying to push the boundaries, and I didn't intend to harm you. But I'm sorry that I did. I listened to a, a podcast with Charlie Benante on it, and he was talking about SOD. Oh recently, yeah, and like oh, there's man, there's yeah. a lot to answer for there, dude. You an know? SOD oh, yeah. isn't oh, yeah. nearly as bad as MOD. Right. Right. Yeah, Dude. like all that stuff. Yeah, all that stuff. And and he gets asked that question so much. And yeah. of course, this guy that was. You know, his interview was like, you know, how do you feel about the SOD stuff? What, what did he have to say about it? He's like, you know what? Like, you know, we're, we're never in this thing to, you know, to, to hurt anybody or take anybody down, you know, that, you know, but will we write a song like that now? Absolutely not. You know, right. Like right. That was, it was the context of the times and it was, you know, we were. Historical we context were, is very important. And we were rebelling against everything and everyone and, you know, any ideas that we thought were, were stupid, you know, he's like, I, for me to apologize for that now would be like, I can't apologize for my younger self. What right. kind people of is what forget, was what his attitude was. Uh, you know? okay. what, what people yeah. forget is that. Rock and roll, okay? Let's say rock and roll officially became a thing in the 50s, right? We, we, we'll just start with the, the, the technical time of rock and roll because you could, you could take this argument down the chain as long as music has existed, <laughs> I'm sure. You know what I mean? But I'm sorry for shaking my hips on television. Yeah, exactly. Since rock and roll has existed... Cover up those ankles. There has been a battle over lines of artistic freedom and lines of what society deems decent, you know, lines of decency. And it is always pushed against it, and it has always served that necessary purpose. And in the 80s and 90s, people were really trying to push stuff out there, like to really push the boundaries. And at the same time, there was a machine, a marketing machine that was going, oh, man, we can make so much money off of pissed off soccer moms. Look at this sticker that we've devised. Oh, yeah. It's like, definitely say that. Say the most offensive shit that you can because it's good for business. Cop there killer. was a ton of cop dude. Cop oh, man. Big. I still my have d- that CD. Dude, my dad song still hates. My dad still hates hip hop as a genre. Because of that song, 
Oh, I, I don't doubt it. I, I, I imagine he probably, yeah. Most cops that, do. That's probably, yeah. yeah, that's probably what most cops think when they're just like, no. They're like, no. Nope. Absolutely not. Nope. Cop Killer was a rap song. We don't like rap. We make that association right out the gate. You know what I mean? But it sold so many records, and it's not that good of a song. I'm just going to say, Body Count, super fun. It's really cool that Ice-T put a, a metal group to Calling them a metal group is a stretch. It really right. is. Yeah, Body Count really is. is not a metal group. But the, Iron Maiden is a metal group. Metallica is a metal group. Body Count is a hardcore band, a punk rock a, band. They kind of yeah. almost like they. To me, they almost seem like the progenitor of like a crust punk thing, almost. Just because the, everything was so crude. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like, I mean, that's their whole thing. Their whole thing is trying to piss people off. Right, so but if even, you listen to like that newest one, and they put out a bunch of videos that are like entertaining as fuck, like they're oh, really sure. fun to watch. Yeah, but yeah. It's just like who can we piss off in today's world? Vegans you know, back right out the gate. Vegans ba- back then they were like cop killer, done, pissed everybody off. But even like but now, even the production was just so it was everything was just so low fidelity oh, about yeah. it. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I, st- I dug the they shit did, out of it. They did. They tipped to the other side, kind of of the political spectrum too, because. When they wrote Cop Killer and all that shit, that was when everybody was, like, trying to stick it to the moral majority and, and the, the, you know, the Bush years and the PMRC and shit like that. Mm. And then Body Count comes out now, and the dude that he's arguing with in the song is, like, someone from the, the left arts media. Like, he's making fun of some, like, vegan columnist who's, like, super offended by everything. Like, he's he's just an archetype of, like, the modern blogster. Yeah, they're Be- covering all their bases, you know? Yeah, they just- which I think, it, which personally, I think he did a really good idea of kind of identifying that there are lots of assholes in, right, right. you know, on all sides of the, of the spectrum. He does not... Does he do a does he do a, a redneck too? He does like, like he does uh, vegan killer and uh, <laughs> no he does I'm a vegan killer. It's like I'm just trying you to, than me. I'm just trying to play my Xbox. Don't get between my meat. <laughs> <laughs> vegan killer. Have you heard the Have you heard the new? Um, oh no, it wasn't. They did. Uh, it was their cover of. Um, Institutionalized. Institutionalized. That they did That's that the in. one where he's like, "What the fuck is a, a vegan?" vegan. Yeah, <laughs> and he's talking about fuck like a vegan. He like even like drops his wife's name, Coco, in there. He's like, "I'm I'm sitting there trying to play my Xbox, and my wife comes in, and starts yelling at me." And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, you're just playing Xbox. Okay, cool. That's <laughs> not, not that bad." But yeah, yeah I, I can't remember who else he kills in there, but yeah, no, it's it it's, it's entertaining. Yeah, that's the thing is it's like it's just entertainment. And when we were doing what we were doing, we were just trying to be entertaining. Right. We were trying to be cool guys. We were trying to emulate to the best of our ability the bands that we were listening to. And the bands that we were listening to at the time were No Effects, Gigi Allen, you know, later on, S.O.D., M.O.D., Guar, Mm -hmm. you know. We were listening to the Bloodhound Gang, Beastie Boys, you know, uh, Gutter Mouth. 
That is eight bands that I just counted that are some of the most politically incorrect bands there are. Even Black Flag, who, like, Black Flag is so lionized now by punk rockers, right? Mm -hmm. But they're forgetting a little tune called Slip It In. That's exactly what I was about to say. You were, th you yes, were thinking the yeah, same course, thing. Of course I was. They, they, wrote a, they wrote a little song called Slip It In, Slip it in which is a song about fucking. And it's a cool goddamn song. You know, a uh, little band called The Descendants, who was arguably the first emo band, was a bunch of, like, soft, you know, kind of not alpha, you know, beta males fucking, you know, singing about their feelings and stuff. Badass fucking band. But they had some really misogynistic and sexist-ass songs, you know, that, like, they had some songs with, like, what could arguably be called slut shaming in it but it was what it it was the time you know what i mean and it was like i think we forgive those bands because we understand their overall intent and we yeah. over understand their context and we understand that they did not have a desire to create malice with anything but an oppressive what they perceived to be an oppressive structure you know at the time Eminem. Eminem, another perfect example. He was Eminem was huge when we were starting out. He caught a lot of shit though. Like, he caught a he, ton of shit, but that, he mostly caught shit that, that fueled the fire for his popularity. But actually, he caught he caught shit from he caught shit from the religious right and um, the PC media as well. It's true. Yeah, he caught it from he caught it basically from every. Every group that gets mad about stuff. Kid, Kid Rock continuously tries to be as edgy as Eminem, and he just can't quite, <laughs> can't quite get over the hump there. He, I'm not sure what's going on with I him. Thought, but, I, I thought it was really funny when we had Jim and, um, and Matt in here. Did you listen to that episode? Oh, yeah, yeah. And they were talking about what a swell guy Kid Rock yeah. was. <laughs> yeah, that was, a, that was a funny story. And so it kind of makes me think that, you know, he just knows his bass and he is maybe turning it on a little bit, you know, or like Hank, Hank Williams Jr. is like that too. Oh yeah. Hank Williams Jr. is, is a mouthy little cocksucker. You know what I mean? But Hank Williams Jr. was also smoking weed and snorting Coke and partying and banging groupies and doing all sorts of crazy shit. When Have you ever heard his drunk version of family tradition? His drunk version. Oh yeah, where he's just completely plastered. Oh, <laughs> it's no. so fucking good. Is oh, it? Oh my god! Everybody oh, out there listening to this, and everybody else in the world, stop what you're listening. Stop. To. Yeah, pause this and go YouTube. Um, family tradition. Hank Williams Jr. Drunk, and like it is. It's it's incredible. It's one of my can favorite. You, can you things. bring it up? It's one of my favorite things to listen. Can you to. bring it up? Let me let me try. After that, uh, look up George Jones. The race is on cocaine <laughs> because that that one is great. Yeah. He can't stop moving his head. He's just like, yep. dude, <laughs> that is a great clip. <laughs> that is a great clip. Yeah, I yeah, I second that. That is amazing. <laughs> you seen that one? Great. <laughs> That's fucking good, man. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. So it's like I also think I also think that so much of. Like, I think that. If someone does wrong and they apologize, I think most people appreciate the apology. 
You right, know, in, yeah. in, in the customer service world, and man, I feel kind of shitty for just learning this, but like at Fire, they give us they give us like little training things. There's this restaurant chain called Zingerman's, mm-hmm. and they also do customer service trainings and like leadership trainings for uh, for other businesses. And so we do a lot of Zingerman's stuff. Okay. And when I got promoted to management and doing the Yelp reviews and shit like that, one of the first things they sent me was this, you know, this training video on how to deal with angry customers. And like, it was so simple, but it was something that I have been neglecting to do the whole time, which is just, if you fuck something up, acknowledge it and apologize for it. You know, you can offer an explanation later if someone, you know, is curious about the explanation. But it starts with, like, acknowledging, hey, I'm sorry, I fucked this up. Yeah, yeah. You know, Uh you do that, it takes a lot of the venom out of people right away. Oh, boy. Here Here we we go. go. We just need the audio. That's all we need. We don't need a... Okay. There, there is no accompanying video for it. <coughs> the whole band sounds drunk. Yeah. The whole band sounds like a guy leaning in at the bar and going, Hey, you want to hear a story? Oh, shit. <laughs> he got out th- two lines. He can't he can't hand, he can't handle it. Is that it? The band stopped. They're just like Hold on. Hold on. Oh man. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> that's that's the mix. It's not your thing. Family tradition. <laughs> Sounds like a record being played too slow. Like it sounds like the record is dying. Oh. 3826? <laughs> Love your ass tradition. There's so much weird shit going on. Oh. Is he at that a pedal sporting event? Guys, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna rule this solo right here. <laughs> Somebody was like, "Start playing, start, start playing something else," so he'll shut up. Can you imagine oh, yeah, what the it, band it gets, is thinking right now? It gets better. 
probably thinking again. I can't believe it gets better. Monday Night Football, your ass <laughs> tradition. <laughs> Some cocksucker want to make my prediction. <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> Seventy <laughs> trees. Nineteen diggity three. <laughs> You're gonna terse me. Start over, huh? <laughs> Shit camp famously. Wow, how did somebody let him on the stage <laughs> like this, you know? Because there's a contract. Here we here we go. It's my favorite part. <laughs> what? Is there a guy in the audience doing something? I can only imagine, dude. I can only imagine what the fuck is actually happening oh at that show. Oh my fucking god. <laughs> Why must you live at Leonard Skinner? Why? Why must you? It's almost like, you know how like you can make Apple write a song now? <laughs> oh. What did he say? Stick it up the old family tradition. Yes. <laughs> so fuck you. Is this at a sporting event? I have no idea, but... Honestly, it's one of my favorites. It's just one of my favorite renditions of it's, that song I've ever heard in my life. Holy shit. It's almost like someone asked a computer to write a, you know, outlaw country song and it was just like motherfucking Leonard Skinner up your ass, cocksucker. The, yeah, it's it's the most random diatribe of like just bizarro statements. I mean, he must be like I'd love to suck your cock. Oh, I'll bet you would. I'll bet you would. I'll bet I'll bet he's responding to stuff in the in the audience. Oh, and yeah, yeah. like it, people are yelling things up at him and he's like, I'll bet you would, motherfucker. Because people are just heckling him. They gotta They're be probably heckling like, him you like suck. you are fucking terrible, dude. What is going on? Oh, he's just man. like, I'll fuck you. I don't give a shit. You know, about and supposedly, according to the uh the daytime movie um Hank Williams Jr.'s story, uh, he got his act together at the end of that movie. So that really upsets me that uh, that he's carrying on like that after what the film led me to believe. Well, that's uh, that's several years old. I mean, like I can I don't know how old it is, but it's it was originally I I was turned on to it from a uh, uh, it was a CD called uh, 
celebrities at their worst. Oh, <laughs> oh no. And it's like it's got like Elvis diatribes, it's got Barbara Elvis Streisand. Is hilarious. Barbara mm-hmm. Streisand diatribes, it's got fucking like Casey Kasem diatribes. Oh, it's what? Got, Casey Kasem does this hilarious fucking like thing. Like there are some heroes in sound engineering. <laughs> okay, let, <laughs> who saved that the, stuff? That just fucking recorded every word that never went out on the air. Well, you and know like, they had one bad day at work with that person, yeah. and they're like, I fucking hate this guy. Next time I come in and he does that, I'm going to record it, and yeah, I'm going to ruin yeah. it. they got sick of the abuse, especially Ernie Anderson. You need to look up Ernie Who's Anderson Ernie Anderson? Kids. He was the ABC announcer from, like, 1982 to probably to 1995 or something but he he introduced all the shows funniest home videos like whatever but he was like tonight on america's funniest home oh videos. okay he was that guy on abc and like some audio engineer just like recorded tons of his just going off like <laughs> going off about the writing going off about like the production going off about like that guy and like it, it's so hilarious. It's, it's like Winnebago it's, Man. It's literally edited together and it's ten minutes and you can't you will cry. You're laughing so hard and at the end of it. At the end of it, it's just like this. Some producer woman is just like off in the distance. She's like, "What an angry man." <laughs> the Winnebago Man one was really funny, but yeah. you want to oh, see yeah. some serious self destruction? Watch the Jake the Snake Roberts documentary. Ooh yeah, I oh, didn't even make it through that whole thing. I can only wild. imagine. Oh it, my it god. Is like, hard to watch sad you know but oh boy yeah the rick and flair one was really sad too. i didn't see the rick flair one the rick flair one was pretty sad the um the andre the giant one was really sad well, yeah the uh the iron chic one was really sad like i'm starting to find almost every wrestler story with maybe the exception of like the rock yeah is yeah. just like the saddest story well in its heyday, well, we'll see how in that it, ends up. <laughs> in its heyday, like it well, was he's not, not a, a glorious lifestyle. No, not at know? all. They did drugs. They did. Uh, they did performance enhancing drugs. They did recreational drugs. Yeah. They drank alcohol on top of all that, and they just beat their bodies to shit. So well, and the wrestling very, promoters fucked them. Oh yeah. So very rarely Vince McMahon was it, is a piece of shit. Very rarely was it a happy ending. Yeah. A happy story. Yeah, the under the joint. Andre the Joint. Hello, I'm Andre the Joint. Andre the Joint. You know what that sounds like? Is it sounds like somebody? Hey, are you like, Andre the Joint? It's like somebody trying I'm not to. Andre fit, the Joint. It's like somebody trying to fit in with a, with with a group of wrestling fans, and like the wrestling fan was like, it's like, man, I get the feeling you're not really a wrestling fan. He's like. It's like, oh, no, man, I, I swear, I like wrestling, man, I like wrestling. It's like, all right, who's your favorite wrestler? And he goes, oh, I don't know, uh, Andre the Giant? If Andre the Giant's your favorite wrestler, do an impression of him. Uh, yeah. Hello, I'm Andre the Giant. I knew you're not a wrestling fan. Wow. Anybody want a peanut? Has anybody you, want a peanut? You went around the block for that one, man. <laughs> you got to commit to the bit. Yeah, that's good. Once you jump in, you got to finish the bit, or it's just, man. Andre the Giant. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the Sydney Amphitheater, Andre the Giant. Hello. I'm Andre the Giant. I'm big. 
Oh, big. My hands are huge, and I like to drink alcohol. It does. It does sound like like some guy, like some drunk Australian guy in a bar, who like likes to talk about how big his penis is when like nobody's asking about it. And his name happens to be Andre, and he's hanging around at the bar all drunk, and he's like, "Hey, sweetheart, what's your name? My name's Andre." The ladies call me Andre the Giant. You'll find out later if you play your cards right. That's <laughs> not a giant. Ah, this on. is a giant. Come on, lass. I'm just pulling your tit. That's not, that's not a giant. This is a giant. Oh, wait. That's an actual giant. <laughs> ah. Everybody run. <laughs> well, that took a turn. Yeah. Uh, let's take a quick break. What do you say? <laughs> yeah, that's the perfect about, time to take about a break. Time for that, yeah. Yeah, uh, and when we come back, we'll talk about some more nonsense. Bye! Noticed myself doing that the other day, getting out of my car. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I was like, where did that come from? Like, yeah. The parking garage. The sound just echoed. Yeah. You ever stand up and something just hurts randomly, and you just go, oh. Yeah, pretty much all the time. Yeah. Do you ever? Does it ever feel like bugs are biting your body? Do you ever get that? Like all of a sudden you'll get a sharp biting pain just on a random place in your body. I do. You get that? I get that. Yeah. I've got it for it. I get it like right in my rib. It feels like a soldier ant is biting me in the rib cage. I also get the cell phone buzzing in my pocket thing when there's nothing there. Oh yeah, I get that sometimes oh, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. The, that worries the hell out of me. The brain's funny. It man. should. Brain's funny. Yeah, the brain's funny. I think. I did get bit by an ant once a long time ago in my armpit. I wonder if that has something to do with it. Like, your body can, like, memorize and repeat sensations that were, like, particularly either frequent or traumatic. Either that or you were a bit much worse than you think originally. Or it burrowed its way inside my body, mm -hmm. and it's a, it's a sleeper ant, and it only wakes up, like, once a year to bite me excruciatingly hard inside my rib cage. That's Howl, probably the one. The mystery of Howell's rib. Uh, okay, at the top of the sponsors here, I need to give a double shout out double to Flipside. Double shout out. This is the first ever shout out to Flipside Music on South Tacoma Street in Denver. We make our own sound I totally forgot. I totally forgot to say Flipside Music in the sponsors last week. Uh, so, double, 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 sponsor shout out, mm, Flipside Music. Double. Ike's a good guy. He is the Archmaster of the Order of the Bald Men. And uh, his shop, Flipside Music, has all the stuff you want, none of the stuff you don't. Finest selection. And I mean finest. I don't mean biggest selection. I mean finest, most refined and meticulously selected and curated only selection. Only carry rad shit. Yeah, only carry rad shit. What a great business model. Mm -hmm. Only carrying rad shit. All the stuff that you want, none of the stuff you don't. 
only carry rad shit. That's going to be their new slogan. Like, you know how we gave Rocket Space? You don't have to carry shit. Flipside Musics is now... All the rad shit. Only rad shit. Only rad shit. Ike, if you're listening to this episode... By the way, we got to get Ike on the show here soon. Yeah. We got we to make up his episode. Yes. Um, but, Ike, if you're listening to this, I think you should make stickers that just say Flipside Music, only rad shit. Only rad shit. Put it out, man. I would put that on, on my stuff. Uh, yeah, finest selection. Finest selection of pedals, guitars, amplifiers. Uh, and plus, they got all the accessories that you need. Again, only the stuff you need, man. Go see Ike. Tell him the boys sent you. Uh, let's see. Uh, Rocket Space Rehearsal Studios. Rocket Space. Big shout out to Rocket Space. Uh, Rocket Space loaned us all the PA equipment for Brian's thing this weekend. Mm-hmm. And, man, they really hooked us up with good stuff. It sounded great. It worked great for our live feed. We ran an RCA direct into the live feed, and, and it sounded fucking fantastic. The mic sounded good. Everything. They don't only do hourly uh, rehearsal rentals. They also do equipment rentals. Um, hit them up, man. Rocket Space is – I really wish Rocket Space existed when we were younger and crazier. Totally. You know what I mean? Yeah. We would have taken so much like, – like, we would have done so many of our own – little renegade shows with that PA equipment. Mm-hmm. They, but now we're, we're old and we're not into anything interesting anymore. No. So we don't do any of that. Rocket Space, you ain't got to carry shit. And uh, they rent PA equipment. We'll come up with a better slogan for the rental stuff. And they rent shit. Yeah. Uh, Evergroove Studio. Evergroove. In Evergreen, Colorado. The finest recording studio in Colorado, nay, the country, nay, the Western Hemisphere, nay. Uh, what's what tectonic are we on? Like, isn't there like a name for the t- tectonic plate that we're on? There is some geologist that listens to the show. Get back to me. Find me a geologist. The best studio in the divide. The b- best studio in the divide. Yeah, on our side of the divide, oh. nay. The best studio in the universe. And, man, they've just got the sweetest, friendliest people. And even if they didn't, even if they were total dickwads, which they're not, just the environment is so beautiful and the equipment is mm-hmm. so nice. They are it really r- takes the edge off of the recording process. Makes it fun, like, right? Like, if you, you've been in the studio before and you've been in there for too many hours, you step outside into this glorious mountainside. Yeah. Majestic, yeah. Vista, yeah, yeah. Vista re- means view. It really uh, takes the edge off. And they, we went and we a, shot guns with a Belgian guy. Yeah, you did do that. There, yep. There's a, they're do, they're switching up their gear. They're switching up their was, whole thing this week. They got a new saying. console. Yeah, they're upgrading. They upgraded everything, right? I as thought far they were as just I know, I saw ladders, I, I saw ceiling things yeah. going on, and, and floor things, and I don't know what's going on. I think on. they re- did some construction upgrades, and uh, I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, me too. we got to write some shit. Yeah. Deluxe. Yeah. Let's get done with this podcast and go write some shit. Yeah, yeah, I know, man. I'm, like, excited what to get writing writing session in the mountains. Doing? So we can get up to Everbrew Studio and make our next project. Uh, you should go see him about... I mean, don't all flock there at once, because then there's not going to be any room for us on the schedule, and mm-hmm. we'll be able to make our records. 
So you know what? On second thought, don't go to don't go to Everbrew Studio. <laughs> Terrible place. The best kept secret. The, the, the toilets, they spray poo up all mm-hmm. the time. They poo up all the time. Oh, what is pooing up, you might ask? That is where <laughs> your toilet shoots your shit back up at you. I, into you. And, I, I experienced that one time. And it's like a pneumatic tube. It like shoots it like a potato gun. You know, like when you make a potato gun, you take like lighter fluid, you put it in a PVC pipe with an igniter switch, and you can shoot a potato like a fucking, like you can shoot it really far. That's what happens when water backs up and shoots a solid fibrous turd back into your asshole so hard that it shoots out your mouth. That's what you're going to get if you go to Evergroup Studio, and you don't want that. So don't go there, but go there. But if you do, tell Brad we said hi. Yeah, if you do, tell Brad, please don't shoot poo into my butt. Don't turd me, bro. I'll be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Hey, don't reverse turd me, bro. Don't reverse (laughs) turd me, bro. Hey, bro. Don't reverse turd me. Speaking of reverse turding, if you've got a reverse turd problem in your house, you should probably give a call <laughs> to the one, yeah. the Best only, segue ever. master of poopers, Jerry Matula himself, Matula Plumbing. Matula! This Plains, Illinois, shit rolls downhill, don't be at the bottom. Your shit is our bread and butter. Your number two is our number one priority. Angie's List Super Service Award winner back in 2011. That is a fact. That is a documented fact. You can research that on the internet. You can go, okay, who's the Angie's List winner of the 2011 Super Service Award back in 2011 for Just Plains, Illinois? You know whose name is going to come up? I don't know. I don't know doesn't... whose name is going to It's fucking Jerry Matula. Yeah, That's who's going to come up. And you want to know why? God. It's because he'll wear the fucking yeah. booties for you. How did you not know that? No doy. Like, the devil's in the details. And in Jerry's case, the politeness is in the details. The service is in the details. Mm. The angel is in the details. That's like angels in the outfield, but they're really, really small. And they're more conceptual than, like, physical material beings in that they have to live in the concept of details. You know what I mean? Because that's kind of an amorphous concept, so the angels aren't like like material angels, but because they are angels and instruments of God, they can actually become concepts. It's the most meta plumbing commercial you've ever heard in your <laughs> life, folks. That is, yeah. He he's not so good at uh, at the meta conceptualizing of you know uh, the transmutation of, of of angels into ideas, um, but he is one hell of a plumber, uh, man. Go see Jerry so you don't get poo up your butt. And uh, tell them. Turds. Yeah, reverse turds. They'll get you. Every day, one in three people die from reverse turd injuries. It's fact. This is actually the <laughs> second Logan we've had in the band. Not a lot of people know that. That's kind of a, that's kind of a well-kept secret of the band is that he is the second Logan, and we're on our third tie. That's a fact. Reverse turds. Reverse turds. Yeah. Reverse turd engineering. <laughs> Reverse turd engineering. The future of plumbing technology. Brought to you by Matula Plumbing. Uh, Matula. 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 <laughs> Men adjusting knobs and twisting them. Science, technology, and reverse turds. Research, experimentation, <laughs> more research. <laughs> Development. Anyway, 
Uh, let's see, who else? Who else? Who else? Who else? Who else? Who else? Uh, oh, right. Mutiny Information Cafe at 2 South Broadway in the heart, like in the core, the center, the nougat, the, uh, the mantle, the core, the, uh, the, the, the gummy center of Denver, the heart, the soul, the nexus of Denver. There's a little place called Mutiny Information Cafe where they have books, records, uh, collectibles, comics, pinball machines, live events. Did I say coffee? Did I say records? That dude, they've got everything that is cool. Plus, they have a media service division of which we are a part. Uh, we record from a remote location, which we'll get into in a second. But uh, they do have a media service division, and they run a studio out of their basement, and they do uh, podcasts and live events. And man, it's just an amazing place. It, it, you should stop by. You should get a cup of coffee. You should get some of their cereal because they got cereal there, cereal. and you and try one of the many Torini syrups they have on the wall. Nobody has a bigger selection of Torini syrups. Nobody. Goes to Mutiny Informa- Go to Mutiny Information Cafe. Tell them the boys sent you. Uh, oh, we record our podcast at an undisclosed location uh, brought to you by thenugnation.com. Nug Nation is a uh, stop-motion, anim- uh, stop-motion animation comedy series featuring... Little nugs of real weed getting into some real crazy adventures. Little butt nugs. Yeah, but you know what's interesting? Little is butt nugs. Oh, dumb! I got <laughs> them butt nugs. Butt nugs. You butt nugget. Um, what's crazy? You, well, what's crazy is no one really smokes weed in Nugville. Dude, don't tell them that. Like, the characters are made of weed, mm-hmm. but like, we—it's not like a drug show. It's not like, oh man, I. I was hanging out with Cheech and Chong and looking my black light poster and dead. You know, it's none of that shit. They like it's just a silly comedy show with weed in it. The googly eyes are never red. No, the googly mm. eyes are never red. Oh, you're talking about the actual little characters. They yeah, don't, they're not like chiefing. No, no, they don't. They don't use drugs. Oh. They don't use drugs. We. It's a children's show. Sometimes we're taking a nap. <laughs> We're, we're trying to normalize it for the ah, children. Okay. No, go see the Nugs and all their wacky adventures at thenugnation.com. Check it out. I was having a good dream. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, I was having a good dream. That's, that's the best impression yet. Do you know why cows can't wear shoes or whatever the fuck? Because they lack toes. We're not going to say much more about it. Yeah. Check out, check out the Billy Ray Cyrus video. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool, I guess. And last but most, all the brave souls who back us on Patreon.com with a, a small recurrent contribution that really makes a huge difference in the way we do things. Uh, it helps us do this podcast. It helps us buy plane tickets for Tony. helps us go on tour. helps us buy new equipment to move forward in our mission. It helps us print merch. It helps us do, uh, it helps us do the comics. Uh, it helps us hire the animators. Uh, it helps us do everything that we need to do, and it really goes such a long way, and we're able to do so much thanks to you guys. Thank you so much. If you'd like to learn more about it, and how you can get access to early content and and VIP parties with beer and food and all sorts of other cool shit, uh, go to patreon.com slash 
MF Ruckus. Check it out. Um, so, 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 so. That first half was pretty long. The first, <laughs> it was, it uh, was. Well, I mean, we, the, stre- we stretched it. The yeah. show, the show has been running close to three hours lately. We've been doing a lot of a lot of twofers, a lot of mm. twompers, a lot of twomp and a halfers, and then a lot of um, a lot of trios. Man, we've been getting into it. We've been getting into it, but I like to think that that we at least stay entertained the entire time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. The, mm-hmm. the, Absolutely. The guys sitting in the room, we sure have a good goddamn time fact mm. so what have you been getting up to gordo well <laughs> actually uh i just did some recording last week while randy was in town oh right Mr. you Mr. went to you went to randy's show man yeah how was that it was awesome it was there were a lot of people there he sold out larimer uh yeah yeah like randy sold out larimer it was, on it, his was own? it was him and a band called shovel and stone that i had not previously heard of and Larry Nix. So was he the headliner? Was was Randy the he, headliner? Uh, Randy was uh he was the opener. And oh. there and that place was pretty packed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when man. When he went on like there were I went walked into the room right before he started. It was his mom and maybe like his sister and me. And you're like, oh no. And then everybody like I swear to God within the first two songs the room was just packed whoa holy cow and it was just like and people were just like what is this guy doing with his feet and his hands and his breath so he got to he got to play for a bunch of new (laughs) so he got to play for a bunch of new people then yeah yeah he did he sold a a bunch of merch like he yeah he killed he killed that's great man yeah it was Uh, i love seeing a good guy do well man it was great yeah we 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 played granny tweed played a couple shows with him last week we played down in walsenburg right you were telling us about walsenburg yeah and then we went to fort collins and played at prost and then yeah i went to see him at at larimer and then he came over to my studio and we laid down uh we're working on a very interesting project called doom island what Uh, is doom island i think i played that on xbox it's it's (laughs) yeah uh, no, the uh, basically he's got like it, it's going to be like an EP, and it's got two two songs that I uh, recorded. I did reggae interpretations of his songs, and uh, <laughs> and he and he came in and was nice enough to put vocals over his own <laughs> over his own reggae songs. renditions of reggae RCO and dub songs? dub and kind of yeah cool. like dancehall kind of stuff. Yeah, I okay, like, I like and um, so like yeah, it just ties way into. Up and oh yeah, the shit is cool. I'm, I, yeah, I'm kind of a you know not so closet fan of that stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah, like uh, I had this idea when I was just goofing around, and I sent him something, and he's just like, we should do something with that. And I said, okay, let's do it. And uh, so we've got two of those tracks, and then he's got two other tracks from another recording session with somebody else. It's like Doom material, so it's Doom Island. Doom it's like, Island, I like so it. Wait, like 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 a Doom band, like a Doom metal kinda, band. Yeah, like like Doomy stuff. I'm not sure if what the instrumentation is. If it's just the one man, kind of like droney, dark, like kind of yeah, droney, dark, the dark droney, lumbering stuff. type of stuff. Yeah, yeah, lumber, lumbering, lumbering, lumbering. I like I like lumbering. The lumbering riffs. <laughs> Like I imagine, <laughs> I imagine a big tree man. Like every time, yeah. like, like I think of like lumbering music. Like if you listen to uh, Matriarch, their local band, it's uh, Austin's band. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I wrote a description for them. Like, I was just, like, wrote something to them explaining what I thought of what matriarch is, like, what matriarch sounds like to me. And they ended up just, like, the, the message I sent them, they ended up using it as a press quote. But Cool. Yeah. But basically, I was just, like, I was, like, matriarch sounds like you're, like, in the middle of space on a space station and, like, a fire breaks out in the space station and the ship blows up and you're, like, out in space floating around and your head is freezing, but, like, the, 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 like the fire is happening at the same time. Like, there's fire in space. Like, just wrote this thing that was, like, basically they sound like Event Horizon. Like... Yeah. Like, you know oh, what I yeah. mean? Like, I just imagine when I think of Doom, like, real, like, doomy bands, I just imagine, like, giant tree men oh. walking through the forest or, like a ship exploding in the middle of space or something like that, like lumbering, spooky, vast. I, I dig that kind of music. I really like a lot of it, and I know it's like there's so much of it out there right now, and some of it's good, some of it's bad. Mm -hmm. But there was a band playing at my work, and uh, they were this doomy band, and I was into them. I was like, oh, this band's pretty cool. And then in between songs, the guy gets on the mic and he just says, this song's about turning into a tree. Oh, yeah. And I yeah. was like, <laughs> I'm in. Yeah, yeah I don't, yeah. I don't. Sold. Need, I don't need to know the lyrics. I just, yeah, no. I'm into it. Yeah, I like all that stuff, dude. I like, um, yeah, I like that there's so many bands that are around right now that are like just using the shit out of their imagination. Yeah. You know what I mean? And there's like. Like, it is overwhelming how many bands there are. It is overwhelming how flooded the market is. And Oh, yeah. And, you know, I have heard, I have heard the argument that, you know, people have said, hey, that's why bands don't get paid very well. It's because the market's flooded. It's because, you know, it's simple economics. And I've, I've seen that argument. I've seen a, a couple people say it. It's an unpopular opinion, but it's true. You know what I mean? It's, it's simple market economics, you know. But uh, but I also think that there's such a huge benefit to it, which is music is evolving at such an incredible rate. Like, like it has become this, like, it's like approaching singularity, man. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's this thing that just, like, every, every day I'm seeing some new band that is doing something weird that I never thought of. Doomstep. Yeah, Doomstep. Is Doomstep a thing? <laughs> Fuck if I know. It will be. I wanted. I, I wanted to start. I wanted to start a porno grind, um, ska band, and call it Fetal Scotomy. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like a <laughs> name, but like it would just have like random like. Like, and I'm talking like obnoxious, real big fish, like third wave fucking Southern California ska. Like, mixed with like, like, like gore grind, like horrible, evil, dark stuff. I saw Bandit Benders years ago that kind of had the same setup. They had like all sorts of weird, like, like spikes and gory stuff on their stage that they came and set out set up and then they dressed like black metal dudes and then they got out there and it was just like pick it up pick it up pick it up and i was like what the fuck is happening that's here? really funny but i just like the fact that they like tricked everybody into thinking they were gonna sound all evil and then <laughs> that's pretty it, funny. yeah that's a, that's a good 
That's so, a good angle. I so, like it. So what do you think? So what do you think then? Do you think that the do you think that the benefits outweigh the detriments in that situation? Like, and and if so, how do we how do we adjust to that reality in the industry and still find a way to make our hobby, you know, our passion? I mean, it is more than a hobby. It's not train sets. You know what I mean? It being in a band is like being in the most fun failing business in the world but that never completely fails like if you start a restaurant and it fails eventually you won't be able to stay in the building anymore like you won't be able to get food deliveries you won't be able like eventually you will get kicked out of the space if it fails oh yeah making things sustainable is where it's at if, if you're in a band even if you completely fail you can keep doing it oh absolutely yeah. you can like there is I've no been failing for years well, but there's that's the other thing, though, is there's n- I can't think of a situation where there is a zero sum game in playing music. You know what I mean? Like, even if you're just if you're in the middle of nowhere and the only person who digs your stuff is the your next door neighbor, even if you're the only one who enjoys your stuff, that's still one. You know, it's not there, there's no zero sum game in, in it. You know what I mean? Whereas in other business models, if you fail, there is that zero sum game. So, I mean, in, in ways, it's it's more than a hobby, but it's but it's less than a career. But we call it a career because it takes up as much time and energy as a career. So how do you. How do we make it sustainable while still being able to enjoy and appreciate the fact that the market is so flooded but it's helping evolve the genre the helping evolve the medium i think what's kind of liberating is that like you know when it seemed like when 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 i was younger the only way you could get you know like there's only kind of one model of thinking about it it's like well you got to make it you got to get on a major label right right and but then come to find out that like from you know from people that i knew that landed on major labels that's just a bad bank loan uh, yeah. basically like mm-hmm. worse than a bank loan like you're totally. you're basically borrowing against what you know a, a future that is not that is not set in stone you don't know what's going to happen and if you if you if you fail financially then you then you fail as a well, band they can kind shelf, of like they that's can just shelve kind your of record what, yeah they can they do can they, shelve they, they your can record. hold everything that you've created over your head and there are records that have never for come you. out. And it's like, and, and so like a, a time that we're in now is it's pretty liberating because you can just, you can make your own rules and decide what to do. You can decide where to, you know, spend your money or, you know, take your resources. You can, you can all, you can just like, you guys are, you guys are really good at that yourselves. Like as a band, like a, a really, well, really, so. really a lot of what we do at least so much of what we do is it's just we're going to try everything because everything does something. And, you know, and I've mentioned this multiple times, which is just focus not on huge gains, but focus on huge retains. You know what oh, I yeah. mean? Yeah. Like, 
keeping people interested keeping in what people. you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. If like I mentioned earlier, you know, we we probably average sometime somewhere between like 100 and 150 people on Spotify every month, right? That's every month. You and know, those, and those again, those are good numbers as and far I, as I'm concerned. And I think I think it. I think it's a matter of like. I think the way to make it sustainable is to, yes, definitely know what you're worth. You hear a lot of people talking about knowing what you're worth, but I think they, I think they shoot themselves in the foot by, by making hard rules about it. You know, they're like, we won't take a show unless it's this much money. It's like, well, hold on a second. Have you considered all the potential benefits that'll be coming in here? Like setting hard rules like that, like, I, I, I think that that shoots yourself in the foot because there, there are opportunities that we have taken which have been poor financial opportunities but have created huge uh, uh, dividends for us in the long run. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? And so I think, I think the learning the structural skill to be able to consider opportunities and taking the time to figure out First of all, what you would like to do and then scaling that down to like, okay, what are we able to do? Well, it's Let's all do, about like achievable goals. Right. You know? Well, and if you do the best version you can of the best case scenario for you, eventually little things kind of stack on top of each other and you get closer and closer to that ideal. Now that ideal recedes at the rate uh, at, at a rate proportionate to that it, which it is approached you know it's like the horizon in that way you know because that like our ideals just kind of keep moving out in the distance ahead of us and you'll never reach it but by kind of having that idea in mind and then just doing the best version you can you can get pretty fucking close yeah you know for sure. You can get closer than you would if you didn't. And I feel like, I don't know, I think I think there's also got to be there's got to be a way there's got to be a way that, that it can work universally for, for everyone. You know what I mean? To where where if you follow this formula and you do these things you can you know, have a sustainable career as a musician. You know, there's got to be something. There's got to be a way to do it, right? Well, you were saying earlier about, like, the reason for taking shows or, or not taking a show. Right. Like, basically, our only rule as a band in Granny Tweed is, like, there's three things. It's like you're doing it for the fun, the exposure, or the paycheck. Right. And if you can hit two of those, then you're doing fucking great. Yeah, that's and it. If you're, and if you're hitting all three, then you've got nothing to worry about. Right. Oh, yeah. Nothing I'll to worry it. about, Holmes. I'll, I'll buy that philosophy. Didn't the, you know? the, the one dude from... Uh, yeah, yeah. Wasn't that that one dude from The Wrecking Crew who said that? Like when he was teaching... Have you seen that Wrecking Crew documentary? Oh, I don't know. It's pretty cool. You know what the Wrecking Crew was? Oh yeah, I know. I'm familiar. Yeah, there was a documentary that came out a few years ago about the Wrecking Crew, and the main guy that the documentary is kind of about, because the doc, the documentary is it Hal Blaine or it might be yeah, yeah. drummer the mm, guitar player. Oh okay. The guy who made the documentary is the son of this guy, and after being in the Wrecking Crew, he pretty much made his living as a traveling as an itinerant educator. 
you know, so he would do workshops and talks and stuff like that and talk about being a musician. You know, he'd go to music colleges and talk about being a professional musician and things like that. And uh, that was one of the things that he he said is he goes, he goes, there are three reasons to take a gig, essentially, which is or no, he said, uh, oh, yeah, the fun, the exposure or like the opportunity or something like that and the paycheck. You know, and, but I like that, that, that add on that you gave it of like, you know, if, if you're hitting two out of three, you're doing pretty all right. Oh, you're doing great if you hit two out of three. Yeah. You know, and, uh, so. cause nobody, li- I mean, everybody's had those gigs that aren't fun, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And those, and those tend to be the worst for me. Like, I don't care how much you're getting paid or how many people it's in front of. If you're having a bad experience. Mm-hmm and you feel like the elements are against you in that situation, it can just, I mean, it can ruin more than your night. You know, the, the, <laughs> you know the, what I mean? Yeah. Those <laughs> nights on tour where you're like, I'm not having fun. We're not getting paid shit. In fact, it's costing us money to be here. And there's nobody here. And there's here. nobody here. Yeah. Those are the ones, the, the strike threes. Yeah, so, when, when you strike all three, that's when it feels particularly so then, bad. Then here's a, <laughs> we, here's a question. We rarely ever did it, but there have been a couple times where we were yeah. like, you know what? Here, Let's yeah. get here's, out of here. Okay, then now here's a question. Because then we get into this idea of threshold values, okay? Which is, you know, when everything is at its worst, why do you still do the gig? What is important about well, because following through? Showing up is is like half the job, right? right. I mean, like showing up right. is half the job, and then you know if you're actually able to complete it, you might find something on the other side of it that is worth right. that, your effort. When when we got stuck in that strike three situation on the road, we would talk about it and we'd be like, "Well, what could we benefit from actually playing right. it?" And sometimes it's like. There's a handful of people here. Maybe somebody will let us stay with them. Right. Maybe they will cook for us. Maybe right. the bartender will be super impressed with how much they like our band, and they will give us free drinks all night. Or There's always that maybe. Maybe yeah. a yeah. hot lady or a not-so-hot lady will walk into the, the bar at the right time and just happen to want to take us home. Maybe a bus full of people will show up. Maybe, you know, maybe they'll get us drunk for free. Maybe we can sleep at the bar. Maybe the, the heiress to the planter's peanuts yeah. uh, fortune will be here, and she'll be like, you know what? Have you ever I had love one nuts. of those? I love you. Have you ever had one of those gigs where it's just like there's just like five people there, then all of a sudden like a birthday party comes through, and it's like all of a sudden there's 25 or 30 people there? I mm-hmm. not, no example that I could cite specifically, but I'm sure that it's happened. That happened to us in Wisconsin one time. Like and in the middle was, of your set? It was fucking amazing. It was. It just ended up being the perfect it storm. It ended up huh? being a really good night, and we really thought we were going to eat shit. Right. We really thought we were going to eat shit. Oh, yeah. And it turned into one of our most fun, memorable shows that we've that's had. That's really cool. You know? See, that's the thing. Is and you that's never what know. You never that, know. So sometimes you just got to bite the bullet and just play it. Yep. Like I said, very rarely did we ever just say, you know what? No. So what? So right, what is right, that? Exactly. What is that yeah. then? Is it like, is that like some sort of like code of honor that we're bound to, or is it just curiosity? Is it just that spirit of curiosity where you're just like, this really sucks and this is awful, but uh, something, but anything is better than nothing. Speaking, I think it's, I think it's a little bit of a both, but it's also like a little bit of survival. 
because right. you're, you're also like maybe someone will let us sleep at their house and wash our balls. Right, or right, right. <laughs> maybe they will cook us a giant batch of ramen noodles and we don't have to. Right, right. No, there is an element of it food. that is definitely survival. So, survival. Uh, what, were, what were the other two you were saying? Uh, I don't remember. Sur- survival, curiosity. Curiosity and honor. And honor. And like, just being like, you know, we drove all the way here. Might as our well set up our equipment and play. Yeah. Speaking for me personally, if the universe feels like it's just taking a dump on you, I say, fuck the universe. That's the main reason for me to play a show. I also feel like... Shove that turd right back in the universe. Nope, I don't buy it. I don't buy that this is going to be the worst situation ever. Reverse turd the universe. Reverse turd the universe. (laughs) Reverse turd the universe. That's the message of this episode. That reverse... When the fucking universe takes a shit on you... Fucking reserve, reverse turd the reverse universe. Reverse turd the universe. Build up your pressure. Needs to be a t-shirt for Ga- sure. Gather, gather your resources and and build up some pressure and propel a turd up the universe's ass when it takes a shit on you. That's right. right that up. is that's very that's very <laughs> profound. Right, right up your Thank black you. hole, man. Right up your black hole, man. Take that up your black hole, universe. All right. Take that in your event horizon, you piece of shit. Mm-hmm. See, and they think we don't solve problems also, on this show. Listen, I also think, like, I am not, like, I'm not a dimati- dogmatically religious person at all, but I, I could easily, it would be fair to say that I am generally spiritually optimistic. You know, I like the idea of saying, like, I don't know if there's a God, but I act as though it exists. You know, I behave as though it exists or I, you know, I hope that there's something else because consciousness seems pretty significant. And and also, I kind of want to know what's on the other side of the hill. You know what I mean? And I personally feel that we are tested over and over again throughout our life. And everyone's life is is some sort of hero's journey. You know, if you if you really you don't have to dig down very deep to find something going on in literally everyone's life, I would wager, that is some sort of test that they are struggling through in some way. Like even people who have managed to insulate their lives so completely that they they are untouched and they want for nothing and and they don't come in contact with with anything that isn't in their like isolation chamber, you know, like Buddha inside the palace. They are fighting some kind of war that we don't know about. And I feel like in those situations, I have experienced in my life, and uh, my my therapist, who you know, I I used to talk to with a lot more regularity, but I've been kind of reaching out and talking to her again with things going the way that they've been. And one of the things that she used to tell me is she was like, she said, it's, it's something that seems to be universal that when someone makes a declaration of something that they intend to do, almost inevitably fate, the universe, God, whatever you want to call it, throws something up and tests that, mm-hmm. you know, tests their resolve and says, you really want it? Show me how fucking bad you want it. 
Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like how how bad do you want to do exactly? Like, what, do you right. have the courage of your convictions kind of situation? Like, you know, like right. Exactly. You know what what are you what are you saying here? What are you saying here? You're not going to do this right. just because you're you have a bad attitude about what's going on here. Yeah. We've we've seen how like we the universe have seen how you handle when things are good, but let's see how you handle it when the the chips are down. Reverse turn the universe. Reverse the universe say listen here Jack I know your game I know your game it can be applied to all situations say you try and get tickets to that Mr. Bungle show and you didn't get them you didn't say, get tickets to the Mr. Bungle say, show say you try again when they added another date and you don't get those tickets either say they, they, they add a third date you, you don't get those fucking tickets either I mean I'm still really mad about that but reverse turd the universe reverse turd with the universe. Attitude, you're going to get tickets to that show. It's That's what I'm happen. hoping. Dude, <laughs> it's you, gonna know, happen, you know what man. works really good? And Mark this is... my words. Mark my turds. <laughs> it's going to yeah, happen. Yeah, mark my turds, motherfucker. Mark my turds. <laughs> guys, so we, we can keep them apart. Guys, so we, we, we stumbled. So many good ideas. We stumbled upon a cultural meme. Reverse turd the universe is going to be the next no fucks given. I'm telling you. It's going to be the next thing. People are going to be saying that. Not and only hashtag that. Hashtag reverse turd the universe. When the, when the no. universe starts, tries to take a shit on you, tries to drop a turd on you, reverse, reverse turd, turd the, the universe. universe. Yeah. Right. Not only that, but I came up with the name for my next solo album what? while I was sitting here listening to you guys talk about it. Deprivation Tonk. Deprivation, Deprivation tonk. tonk. I like it. It's pretty bad, actually. With like umlauts over the A or like donk, like dropping a donker. Like tonk, like honky tonk. Like honky tonk. Oh. oh like tonk. That's good. <laughs> you know, like tonk. You know, like honky tonk. <laughs> Coffee talking honky tonk. You know, like Andre the Joint. Andre the Joint. <laughs> You want to hear my impression of dubstep? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, uh, I want to hear your impression of dubstep. dubstep. Uh, dub music, like the the. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Boom, boom, boom. Boom, boom, boom. Hey, 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 hey. Boom, boom, boom. Rastafari, hey, hey, hey. Yeah, I'm a step in rears up here to watch my side, 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 side. Dangerous. I'm dangerous. So dangerous. I just like the the you know, sounds like somebody took like a super ball and just like hucked it down. Boom boom. Do you want to hear my impression oh, of, yeah. of dubstep since you mentioned it? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now you want to hear and my. Don't forget the. Okay, now you want to hear my impersonation of the active use of a vibrator? <laughs> It's a whole new level of throat singing. Speaking of regretting things, 
20 years from now, I am definitely going to regret telling 12 people that worm jizzed on my face mm -hmm. and doing an impression of a vibrator on a searchable podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Excuse me. I need to remove some content. Um, <laughs> excuse I'm going to be going. Just cut straight to Andre the Joint. Man, <laughs> I am so glad that we didn't have access to the planet when we were young dumb fucks. Right. Like, fortunately, some of the most horrendous shit we've come up with either never made it to recording or was, like, recorded on, like, 50 cassettes that have been scattered around somewhere and may come back to bite us in the ass someday. <laughs> may. May. I hope they don't. But they may come back to bite us in the ass someday. You know what would really come back to bite us in the ass? Do you remember the shoebox full of tour videos? Speaking of, like, lost footage and, like, lost recordings and things like that, we used to – there was a couple of summers where we had bought just, like, a little handy cam. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah. And we took it on tour with us, and we made we made home fucking movies, man, and, like – Jerry actually would like edit them down with like two VCRs and shit like that. It was pretty funny. Wow. Like there was tons of funny stuff, but there was also, I'm sure, a ton of stuff that we thought was really funny mm -hmm. then that 37 year old Aaron probably would not find funny at all and probably would not want my little boy finding at 10 years old or, or whatever digging through some boxes in the attic and he comes down and there's some video of Jerry naked skateboarding down the street in fucking Saratoga Springs, New York outside your brother's apartment. That was pretty funny. That was like of all funny. the of all the sounds amazing. Yeah, that wasn't the first thing show. that was coming yeah, to my mind. Right. Yeah. That was I figured that was a safe jumping point. Yeah. You it's know, just the the imagination can go from there because that's what I feel comfortable talking about mm -hmm. on the show. And I think people who have listened to the show know to what degree I am comfortable talking about things. I just talked about a man ejaculating on my face, for God's sake. <laughs> Imagine what I'm not talking about on the show. Wow. Imagine what I don't feel comfortable talking about on the show. Oof. Rough. Yikes. Rough stuff. Uh, what are we at there, Gordo? Uh, you know, uh, uh, two and change, two two fifteen there. Two and some change. I think. Who, who do we got next week? Possibly. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I have to take a look at it. Lars Ulrich. You know, oh. I'm gonna I'm gonna quit saying the name of our guests until they're here. Cool. You know. That's a, that's probably a good. It's probably good there. just just for my own jinxing. You know, because I'm not saying I believe in God, but I believe in jinxing. Like, I think that if you jinx somebody, you owe them a Coke. You do owe them a Coke. You know, and I don't think that there's anything wrong with, like, giving someone a Coke and also explaining to them that, like, you know, you don't have to give them the Coke. You know, you're doing it because you're happy to participate in the rules, but, you know... What are they going to do? What are they going to do? You know, I mean, listen, I just I want to give you this Coke, but I just want you to know that I don't think you deserve the Coke or anything like that. I mean, 
I only jinxed you. Thanks for listening to the motherfucking podcast, guys. <laughs> Jinx. Jinx. You, you, owe owe us, you owe us Cokes. Um, thank you so much for listening, guys. Uh, and again, thank you for all the support on um, on Brian's service. It was it's beautiful. Um, if any anybody who's been sending messages asking how I'm doing, the short answer is I'm limping through it. Um, but I am super grateful for all the love and friendship and my family is super grateful for all the love and friendship and support and all the good things we have in our life. Like being able to do this podcast with, with my good friends and, uh, you know, man, it could be so much worse. Um, but I kind of like, I kind of like walking around on earth, even if it is limping around, even if it is limping around. So, um, he didn't get choked up there. He just, no, burped. I burped in the mic and it was disgusting. It I was did not kind of sound like you. No, I'm getting choked up. No, I burped into the mic. It was Reverse burp the universe. Reverse, Reverse burp. burp the universe. Ah! That's like when the universe has some shit it needs to get out of it. And you're like, uh. no, that's shoving a burp back into the universe. Or like when the universe burps in your mouth. Like it doesn't take a shit on you, but it just like does just something really gross. You're like, oh, oh, just affair. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, thanks for listening to episode number 69, guys. Uh, oh, real quick thing. Our next show, for those of you who have been wondering, we're playing with uh, Judah at the Bluebird Theater yeah. on September 14th. That is going to be a super fun show. Badass. It's the only show that's going on that weekend. We're flying Tony in just for that show. It's going to be super cool. Um, come see us. If you need tickets, go to our website, mfruckus.com. We have a fee-free, fee-fry-fro-from. We have fee-free <laughs> advanced tickets uh, that we can just transfer to you with flash seats. It's pretty badass. And I'm, I, this show will sell out. Oh, I it's almost, definitely going to sell I out. I guarantee it. So yeah, get Judah's the shit, man. Get them through us so we don't look like giant pieces of crap. Because, yeah, we, we kind of suck at the pre-sales. Gordo, how do you guys do with pre-sales? We don't. Don't. I it's, mean, it's a rough game, man. Like, you tell all your fan base to come, and it's like, oh, yeah, I'll get a ticket that day, or I'll buy it through the, you know, the website. And then you end up not selling too many pre-sales. I don't, like, I, I just don't like the ticket game. because we didn't do game. shit. You kind of feel like, you kind of feel like um, a little kid selling chocolate. That's exactly how it is. You know, it's like, no, man. That's totally, that's people exactly know where, how people it is. People know where to get their chocolate, man. Yeah. I don't think they need to, I don't think that they need to buy it from me. I don't need to go door to door reminding people to eat chocolate, man. Can't you guys just let people buy tickets to the store and just let me have some erasers or moon boots or whatever it is that you're making me sell fucking <laughs> chocolate Mom, for? mom, don't forget to take my tickets to the office. Yeah. Yeah. My son is playing a little show, and he wants you all to buy a ticket so you can go and. Oh God! Jam everyone up with in the boy. Amount. Everyone in the Boy Scout troop is selling their fucking tickets to their gigs at the same time. And I and I understand like there's you know I understand people with the pre-commitment view, with, with the viewpoint of like you know like well you know you're just not a professional band if you're not you know into selling your own tickets like well you know guess what I I don't. I, I don't prescribe to that way of thinking, honestly. Well, I, you know, like what they're not taking into consideration is that national touring acts 
uh, national touring shows and local shows operate differently, but both very successfully in their own right. You're goddamn right. It's like it's like you can have a local show that gets packed out, but what packs it out is that it's the fun thing to do in town that night. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like national acts, it's like, oh, this band is coming through town that I really like, or international act, you know. This band is coming through town. Iron Maiden is coming to town. They do not come to town that often. I will go see Iron Maiden because I love Iron Maiden and want to see them to play. When you're a local band, it's it's it operates just as successfully. I feel not in the the like large numbers that like the nationals and internationals do, of course. But mm-hmm. like if there's a show, it's like, oh, who's playing at Goose Town tonight? Oh, it's this band, this band, this band, and this band. Oh, that sounds like a lot of fun. I'll fucking I'll drop ten bucks or whatever to go inside and hang out at that event because I know there's going to be a bunch of cool people from the local scene and they're all going to be hanging around there drinking, you know. It just it just operates differently, mm-hmm. and I feel like I don't know, man. Like I do the pre-sales because they ask about it. Mm-hmm. For bigger shows, they go, "Hey, how do you guys feel about pre-sales?" And I say the same thing every time. I'm like, "We'll do them. We move a little bit, you know." But most of our people are going to show up, are going to decide that they're going to be their day of. Mm-hmm. We'll promote literally the entire time leading up to it and do our best to make sure people are aware of it. But the same thing applies to people who don't show up day of. You know, a lot of people make the decision not to show up day of. So, like, when we did pre-sales this last time, only half of the pre-sales we did were actually claimed. Can you leave that shit? Mm. Like at the end of yeah. the night, at the end yeah. of the night, the door dude was like, he was like, so you sold X number of pre-sales. We only claimed this many. Interesting. Yeah. So it's like, I understand they want their money. They want to up it up, but it's not like a bunch. Yeah. It's like $150. But you know, actually I have, I, I, I do know for a fact that I've bought tickets for an event that I couldn't go to just, just, to, support. just to support the band. I have done that before for, mm-hmm. for other bands. Like, I, it's, it's, I know it's probably a, a rare thing, but... I mean, and I've bought stuff and then not gone to it before, I guess. No, I don't know if I've ever bought tickets to a show and then not gone. I've bought, I bought tickets to a show and then gone and left before the band I wanted to see played. <laughs> oh, yeah, I have done that as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I've done that, too. Except for by left, you mean, I, I mean, got thrown out. <laughs> That's right. You got thrown out of Black Sabbath. I did. I got Black Sabbath tickets and did not get to see Black Holy Sabbath. Holy shit. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I, for the rest of my life, I will be kicking myself in the ass. Oh, head. no. It was like this giant meetup beho- beforehand. That's what happened. And it was just like a local, like, bands of bands and bands and who's who in the local scene and everything. And it was just like the parking lot's dangerous. It was a man. very happy moment, but it was too happy because everybody was like shot, 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 shots. And then I got into the show and it was like tumbly, tumbly, fall, fall. <laughs> and the lady was very nice. Oh no! The cops put me into a uh, cab. <laughs> they were like, "You get home safe, buddy." And that's because I'm not a mean drunk guy. I was just like, "Thanks so much." Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Long story short. Wow. I almost got kicked out of Guns N' Roses. Fake Guns N' Roses, I mean. Fake Guns N' Roses. Yeah. yeah. Me and Ty took me, 
because he was like, I figure since it's only Axel, you'll be the guy in the band that gets the most out of it. So I'll take you. I was like, oh, that's real sweet. And we went at the First Bank Center, mm. and Ty and I got a little mad because Axel was awesome, mm. and it was cool, but it was all these other dudes playing oh, yeah. these other dudes' songs. He told me the guy who was playing lead guitar was wearing like a slash hat costume. That's basically. like part of his thing. His whole get his whole gimmick, his whole personal brand. Yeah, we yeah we we've talked about this before. Yeah, the guy that's what not, is not slash not not slash. Yeah, but dresses yeah. like him. Yeah, and like, keeps an unlit cigarette in his mouth. Whack. It's super whack, whack right? And it's like, how can that guy have a career? Like, I mean, he must have made some money. But, like, if I heard his name right now, I'd be like, I have no idea this. They'd be like, not Slash. I'd be like, oh, yeah, not Slash. I've seen him. Yeah, I know who not Slash. Well, I know he's some I know he's some generic-looking dickhead who wears a fucking... You know what I mean? So, like, at the thing, we were just, like, kind of just bummed on it. So we drank, like, an obscene amount of tequila and Jägermeister. And Ty just handles his booze better than I do. You know? Mm. The whole reason I don't drink. Like... Ty is a fun drunk. I am a fall down, like, super obvious drunk where, like, people start to get concerned for my well-being. <laughs> and people are, like, going up to Ty and they're like, hey, you better get your boy or we're going to have to kick him out of here. I also get really loud. So I call a lot of attention to myself. And the last thing you want to be is really, really unsafely drunk and very loud. You turn into that guy. Huh? Oh, yeah. And I was that guy all lot of the time a lot of the time i'm very rarely that guy but that night i was i was enough that guy for the whole pepsi center so i mean i've i've gotten drunk and missed shows i've gotten um i've also missed shows because of just like panic attacks you ever had that not even panic panic attack isn't the right term i've never had a fucking panic attack just social anxiety. Social anxiety. Feeling weird. Oh, yeah. You know, especially... I've bolted from shows several times for that reason. And It comes up at weird times, too. It's bizarre. I think it's because it's unnatural the way that we live. And it's unnatural the environments that we put ourselves in. I heard this really interesting comment recently, which is we... Um, for a long time, psychologists said that we learned fear, that fear is a learned response. But in all actuality, courage is a learned response. Like comfort is a learned response. The fact that we are not running around in the streets throwing shit at each other and freaking out and just terrified by the world around us is nothing short of a miracle. And especially when I stopped drinking, going to shows was very intense you know it was like fuck i you, like i'm guessing i always had the anxiety but i would drink until i blacked out and it wasn't an issue i would drink until i acted like a fucking lunatic and assumed that i was having fun and now that that's oh, yeah. not present it's just like oh i'm surrounded by 500 to 1000 strangers you know, actually 500 to 1,000 people, some of whom I know, some of whom are friendly and friends, some of whom are friendly, 
uh, or some of them don't like me. Some of them I don't like. Some of them are complete strangers. Some of them are generally just random dangerous people. Some of them are just whack jobs that walked in off the street. And, and most of them are a mystery in some way. You know what I mean? Plus, there's a bunch of people who are feeling the same way that I'm feeling right now. Being in a room full of other human beings and having, you know, mixing alcohol into that and elevated emotional experiences and all of that. I think social anxiety is probably the most sane function, like biological adaptation that we still have in a lot of ways. You know? For sure. It's like, this is scary! You don't know if these people are friend or foe! You should have a spear! <laughs> so yeah, don't bring spears to shows. No spears at shows. No spears at shows. Man, can you imagine? One person brings a spear to a show, ruins it for everybody. Ruins spear bringing to shows for spear everybody. Spear bringing. Like, no spear bringing, okay? No spear bringing. That's my uh, doom metal band name. Spearbringer. Spearbringer. Dude, some <laughs> band already beat you to it. Some band is listening to that right now and just went and made is making a Facebook page while I'm talking about it. Uh, Spearbringer you, called it. You know how there was like Red Fang and Black Tusk and uh, like Speed Wolf and all these like, like, you know, animalistic like prehistoric band names going on. Mm -hmm. You think there's a band out there called White Claw that was just like, fuck. fuck. Oh, yeah, totally. Totally. We're going to have to go with our second band name, Iron Cyst. Pocket Knife Wielder. Pocket Knife Wielder. <laughs> That's a good band name. Those are all good band names. Iron Cyst. Spearbringer. Oh, Iron Cyst. <laughs> Dude, if they were a British band, they would have the hardest time because people wouldn't know if you were saying iron cyst or iron cyst no 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 iron cyst no iron cyst yeah but what's the name of the band iron cyst no, well but, no, what but, are you but, insisting they're called no no. But, no but what's the name of the band the name of the band is iron cyst well what well, are what you, you insisting what, yeah what do you, what do you tell mean, me insisting? the name of the band iron cyst i insist you, <laughs> you tell, tell me, me the, the name, name of the, of the band. band that's the name of that the band you are correct what? is iron cyst I you are correct <laughs> That Andre was Andre the Giant. Andre the Giant and the Iron Cyst. That does sound like a story. Like, like right after you finish Jack and the Beanstalk, reading Jack and the Beanstalk to your kid. He's like, read me one more, Dad. Read me one more. And you go, all right, all right. How about the tale of an old Andre the Giant and the Iron Cyst? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my favorite. <laughs> Once upon a time. There lived a giant up in the city of the clouds. The giant's name was Andre. And he had Hello. a cyst in his bunghole. I'm Andre. But deep inside Andre's bunghole <laughs> lived an iron cyst. The doctors of the giant village tried and tried to lance the cyst, but... Because it was made of iron, their tools could not break through the thick iron crust to the molten pustule inside. <laughs> Stay tuned for my, uh, my new book, 
Andre the Giant and the you Iron Fist. Totally cyst. do just audiobooks of just shit like that. Dude, that I would, would love to great. Do that. The molten pustule inside Side. the Iron Cyst. Oh god. Okay. All right. It's been a lot of fun, guys. <laughs> um, thanks for listening to episode sixty-nine. Sixty-nine. Dude. Which is going to be called Reverse Turd the Universe. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, in fact, I think we're gonna make T-shirts that say Reverse Turd the Universe. That's gonna be big. I'm telling you. Um, thanks for listening to the motherfucking podcast. Thanks for listening to the motherfucking podcast, you guys. I'm Aaron Howell. I'm Logan Gordo. And we'll see you on the next time for episode seven. Seven zero, zero baby. Can you guys believe that shit? Damn. Seventy episodes. Seven zero. I'm proud of us. Yeah. I'm super proud of us. All right. I'm gonna smoke some weed and go home and sleep with my wife. Lance insists. Bye.
The motherfucking podcast is recorded at the Nug Nation Studios in Denver, Colorado, and hosted by Aaron Howell, Tony Lee, Logan O'Connor, and occasionally even Ty Blosser of the international power rock combo, Motherfucking Ruckus. Our producer in the studio is Gordon Ledfoot. Our producers in Chicago are Gene Skibbins and Adam Zielinski. All music except homie shoutouts and featured artists is written and performed by MF Ruckus and comes from the album The Front Lines of Good Times, Volume 1, coming this fall on Rodeo Star Records. Thanks for listening, guys. And remember, if you find this podcast valuable or entertaining and you wish to support MF Ruckus further, you can rate, review, share, subscribe, follow us on any of our social channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Spotify. If you really want to help us do what we do, you can go to patreon.com slash mfruckus and become a patron at any level. Our patrons get access to exclusive content, early releases, guest list spots, even VIP parties with beer and food, all in exchange for a small monthly contribution. It really does make a difference and allows us to do this podcast, make records, create videos, go on tour, fly Tony back and forth, and all the other stuff we love to do for you guys. Patreon.com slash MFRuckus. Check it out. Thanks again, guys. You're listening to a Mutiny Transmission. You can find more podcasts, videos, books, comics, and records online at MutinyInfoCafe.com. Or just stop in the store in Denver and have a coffee sometime. 